Daily Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Roseleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome to America's Front Porch in a special edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. We're here live at Sun and Fun. 2017. I'm joined by my favorite co-hosts that are in orange today and bright, and uh, and what does another that say one about that's the rest dark. Yes, I was going to say, and okay. then the other ones that aren't aren't quite wearing their uniform. Black and blue this, is fine too. <laughs> we're not so bright. This has been one heck of a show. I've had so much fun doing Sun and Fun Radio and the people we've been able to meet. But first, before we get started, there is one other person that's joining us that's not here on the deck. We've been complaining how cold it's been today, but uh, this person <laughs> is probably laughing. I hear yeah. him laughing in the background. First, let's say hello to hi, Rick Felty. Hello there, everyone. Uh, sorry I can't be there. And it's probably warmer here than it is there. No, I don't know how cold it is there. What color are you wearing, Rick? Um, well, since I can say that, I'm just going to go ahead and say orange. He's going to say oh, orange. Oh, man. Good answer. Uh, he he, he didn't get the memo. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rick, how much snow is on the ground where you are right now? Oh, there's no, there's no snow. We're, we're, we're going to say we're done with that. Cool, cool. Yeah. And, and that's terrific because uh, we, we here feel like there's uh, snow on the ground, but there isn't. I mean, we could actually probably put a fake snowblower out and it'd stay on the ground for a little while. So anyway, let me say hello to some of the other co-hosts here. We have Eric Crump. Eric, welcome. What's up? Hey, it's good to see you. We have it's really almost like my debut on Stuck My Gavcast. It, it's been so long since I've been able to join you guys. Oh, come on. Yeah, it's uh, been forever. I'm surprised I'm still in the credits. Yes. And oh, you know what? We can plug our Aviation Careers podcast also. There was a very interesting episode we did recently. Please, let's not talk about it. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't, just, it's too I can't soon, to, Carl. Too I soon. I cannot wait to listen to that one. Also on the deck is, and we, by the way, we have a really great story. Uh, that, and you got to do something really unique that uh, you took a ride in. Well, we'll get to that later. Larry Overstreet, just, welcome, to, welcome to the deck here. Hey, Carl. <laughs> He's how looking are you at me right now. I'm doing wonderful, This is Larry. so great to see so many, is, so many of us all in one place at one time. I wish we could all be here all at once because uh, it would be wonderful. We all never have been in the same place at one time. As a matter of fact, I haven't actually met in person uh, one of our co-hosts here, and he's up north, Rick Felty. And, uh, <laughs> really? Well, yes, we talk about it. And for years and years, yeah. it's been going on. we got to um, fix that. Yes. and. Uh, Let's do it. <laughs> All right, I'll put in. I'll put in some money. Let's get a ticket for him. And we gotta get him down here. We should. We should actually have him come down. Bring his family down. Also, it'd be a wonderful time. I hear it's that Rick Tom's here, Rick. paying for you to come to Sun and Fun next year. That's what he said. <laughs> the witnesses. It's it's archived for future posterity. Writing that down. Okay. And that person speaking is Tom Frick. Tom, welcome. You've had a really good show, haven't How's you? How's it going? Oh yeah, this is awesome. I mean, it's just been busy, busy, busy here. And I mean, the uh, weather's been great. Save what about? We got about an hour worth, but other than that, it's been just awesome here. And the show has just been full of people and full of planes, and I love it. Awesome. And uh, 
The other person that's been doing a heck of a job banging out interviews this week is Russ Rosleski. Russ, welcome to the deck. Carl, it is so great to be here, and I've had the chance to do so many wonderful interviews that hopefully we'll be able to hear on a future episode. We of will Stuck definitely. Mike. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. And so great times, though. You've been doing a great job of putting photos out there, and so have I. By the way, to remind you, I'm putting photos on Facebook at Carl Valeri, but you can also go to SNF Radio and check them out, plus Twitter. So uh, it's been a, it's been an amazing show because there's so many new things have been happening here but we'll get to that in a minute we have some really cool guests by the way we've uh, got uh, NTSB is going to be showing up here and we have a few other podcasters that are kind of come up and uh, join us something did I crash something no 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 the FAA is here but also the NTSB they come after you land right that's why that's like they come after I land usually well yeah 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 so uh, routine yeah it's it's just a routine it keeps us safe but uh, they're going to talk a little bit about drones and we're going to be speaking about drones uh, with actually some people from Polk State College Uh, but first to start us off I uh, one of the most exciting things about Sun and Fun is being able to check out the airplanes and uh, oogle over the airplanes and just kind of touch them and everything and you know Eric Crump he had a chance to actually sit in a uh, in an aircraft, and are you going to go fly there, in, the, really? in, the, in the back I'm of sitting one. next to you, Carl. When we do <laughs> this, when we do this over range. the internet, you can say whatever you want to. <laughs> I know but, that's true. He's, but I'm within striking he's, distance, he's, Carl. He is. He's got uh, long arms. This cord <laughs> also looks like an outstanding <laughs> choking device. But, Eric, tell us a little bit about uh, your excitement here and, and the neat thing that you got to do today, or, so, or this week, I should say. I love everything about my job, but it's really cool when other people appreciate what you do and give you a free ride in a T6 Texan. So um, big mega shout out to the Geico Skytypers for letting me not only uh, ride along with you, but get just a second to uh, uh, grab the stick on a T6 because that was definitely a life-altering experience. I will never forget that. And um, I haven't been able they, – they give you a GoPro right. that's mounted at your face while you're flying. I haven't been able to look at the video yet, but I'm pretty sure it's just going to be like a giant smile. Like you're not going to see anything other than just my smile eating my face. It was amazing. <laughs> he did look pretty cool in that Captain America hat. Yeah, it's just crazy. I like Evil Knievel. I'm just sitting in the back of a T6, you know, just got this stars and stripes helmet on. It's like, well, maybe we're just going to blast off here. It was great, man. We got to the end of the runway, you know, full power. Everybody's sitting in formation, open cockpit takeoff. It was everything's rumbling and shaking. It was amazing. That's a 75 year old airframe. Um, just a, an amazing flight. It was so much fun. Wow. So you actually flew the aircraft. I got to touch the controls of the airplane. I don't want to oversell it. But, man, I'm telling you what, I told them, if anybody ever cancels on you, I'm your first phone call. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on speed dial number one. By the way, very gracious people, wonderful flights that they do, and uh, and a great team. I, I think they're, they're awesome when nice they're out there. Nice guys. Oh, really nice. Yeah, you know, it's funny. There's a common theme here. Most of the folks that are out there flying in the shows are, are just wonderful, friendly people, outgoing, very humble, too. And uh, and I could imagine being an air, air show pilot can be quite it's humbling. one of the things, there. and we've talked about this, all of us have talked about this a lot, and I know you guys are you know, blazing up the, the asphalt talking to people. It's amazing the connections you make and the things that you like. We're old friends already, and we just met for the first time. So I'm talking to my pilot, and he says, you know, do you, do you have any flight experience? I'm like, well, I'm a flight instructor, and I run the, the aerospace program here at Polk State College. He's like, this is amazing. We never get to fly with pilots. And he said, actually, I used to be the dean of aviation for Dowling College in New York. And I'm like, I know Dowling College. <laughs> I probably knew you in a previous life. It's hilarious, but it's just something like that. Never met this guy. Um, totally quality guy. Great pilot, by the way. Um, but already we have a connection. Never met this guy before. He has 2,000 hours in the T6. I have zero. <laughs> and oh, 
you like, have you automatically have seconds or something. Yeah, yeah. I have I have point zero 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 one or something like that. Take it. Um, I'd I, log it. I, <laughs> I think that rounds up to an hour. I th- absolutely. It, it totally does. So I, I know we don't, we're kind of short on time. We only have three hours, but it, maybe if we could talk about a little bit about. I'm done. The, Fine. Uh, yeah, no, that's no, a, Tom, you talk now. I'm done. The, you know, there's something that's special about the, the Texan, the T6 for uh, Eric Crump, isn't it? Should we talk about that? What's special about it? I don't know. You like it so much as a kid, you liked it? Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, I talked about that this morning, actually, on the live show. That's why I can't remember, because I got up too early. Wow, that was a whole almost day ago. <laughs> that was almost a day ago now. Um, yeah, so my dad uh, never became a pilot, and actually the first time he ever flew with me, but just us in the airplane, he was scared to death the entire time. I don't think he'll ever do it again. Um, but when he was a kid, like a lot of kids, um, he was interested in model airplanes, so he got this model airplane, and this was, you know, back in the day, you attached a string to it, and depending on which, and it just flew around in a circle, which direction you pulled the string, either went up or down, that kind of thing. But it was a T6. And he kept it his entire life, and it was always um, on this, or actually under this, uh, like, table, I guess, at the end of uh, at the end of their, their bed, in their bedroom. And I used to always go in, and I'd want to play with it, and he'd be like, no, son, you can't play with that. That's my, that's my special toy. That's the only toy I have left from my childhood. He actually gave it to me. And it sits on my bookcase in my office down at the college. Oh, and that's so really cool. I posted uh-huh. a picture of the airplane, me in front of the airplane on Facebook. And so immediately my dad calls and he's like, that's a T6. I know it's a T6 because it looks exactly like that airplane of mine. <laughs> Just a little bigger. What a cool connection. And uh, Eric, you know, you mentioned the fact that you do some work over there at uh, Polk State College. Not really. And no, uh, no. actually you have a lot of fun. I, I do. I, I envy you. Job. I know we should like switch jobs every six months. You know, flop back I would gladly take your job. <laughs> Let's do that. Whoa, wait a minute. What do you I mean? mean? You I'm, think I don't work? But I'm going to bid on your seniority. I'm going to bid on your seniority, and I'll take your okay. job. It's a little different yes. when you're junior. Yes. I'm, not, I'm, not bidding. I'm not bidding as a junior. No, 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 no. But, you know, one of the things that you do over there at Polk State College is inspire people to fly, and you have an incredibly large program from starting from zero, scratch. It was just, I think it was about four years ago. So Our fourth birthday was June 6th. June 6th, the fourth birthday. Or January, January 6th. January 6th. Okay. June 6th is my birthday. Sorry. Uh, is it? Well, happy birthday on June 6th. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> it, they, they meld together. They do. Hey, work, I got up really life. early this morning. The fact that I'm still awake is, is just a miracle of caffeine and Red Bull. You know, you started off, I know you were at Glime Publications. I think yep. you're the senior editor at Glime Publications yep. and then uh, decided to go over here at the college. Tell us a little bit about how that started because that's interesting to, to start a, a college program from scratch and, and then go to a, a point where we have how many enrollees in the actual college program? So, I mean, we started the program four years ago with nine students nine. and one degree. Um, I was telling somebody earlier today, it was me, an adjunct professor, Two flight instructors, three airplanes, and nine students. That was it. That was the entire program. Fast forward four years later, we have 194 students spread out over four degree programs. Um, and I, I, there's no way this ever would have happened without collaboration and partnership. The, the, the aviation environment that exists in Central Florida, but particularly right here uh, in Polk County, uh, is just incredible. And so between Sun and Fun, the Central Florida Aerospace Academy, the college becoming a thing... It just—it was the right, uh, the right recipe, I guess, all at the right time, and that's that's where it really came from. Um, but yeah, the the move from Glime was was tough. I, I actually told Dr. Glime during my interview, um, the only reason I would ever leave here is if I got a job. Because I, I told him, I said, I'm not looking for a job. I'm looking for a career. Because we had a fam- we were starting a family, and I wanted some stability. And I, I told him, I said, the only reason I'd ever leave is if I got an opportunity to, to run a college program. But I mean, come on, 
how many of those are there? No one's ever going to hire me to do that. <laughs> and uh, luckily enough, this literally fell in my lap, and I couldn't say no. Awesome. Well, we got much more to talk about about the college program, but uh, before we do that, we have some people that have a few things to do. So they actually, some of the co-hosts, have to leave the deck and move on to the next jobs. Uh, somebody who's been working, gosh, you've had what twenty hats here at Sun and Fun this year. What, what do you close close to it? Uh, what I don't no, you really? It seems like it. Yeah. What is it you don't do? I actually saw I saw him cleaning about... out a porta potty the other day. Yeah, yeah. with a spoon. <laughs> with a spoon, he was really wow. dedicated. You are dedicated. A little, little paintbrush. Yeah. Yeah. And now, if that was true, you'd have better camping. You. I probably would. Yeah, <laughs> probably would. Yeah, shout out to the Rangers out here. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. So, uh, yeah, and you know, Eric was saying about how uh, small this community gets. You know, and 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 I've been finding that too. You know, it seems like I poke my nose in a couple little things here and there, and it's like I, I start meeting people that I've seen from air shows before, like from previous Sun and Funs and from Oshkosh, and just it, it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, and now what are you doing here? I know you on the on the radio station. You're engineering. You're doing interviews. Also, you're editing. I think is the third thing. Yep. You've built this whole deck we're sitting on right here. You helped, you helped build this deck. That's why it's creaky. And yep. no, yep. I'm just kidding. It's just actually very solid. It's a wonderful job. And uh, it, it's really interesting. The other things you've done here. You could mention the other folks that you're working for here. I'd love to a shout out to uh, the folks at M0A, of course. Sure, absolutely. I've been uh, helping out with M0A.com and. Uh, We've uh, uh, Jason has sponsored uh, John Glenn's Baron, which is out on the ramp out over here, out on out on uh, out on the runway. Wait a actually. minute, John Glenn? Who's John Glenn again? Yeah, John Glenn, the, the astronaut. The astronaut yeah, John so. Glenn, yes, and it's yeah, so awesome. It I is. Mean, it's, it is. I've he's seen got a, pictures of it, but it's, it's a, one of those things. Pictures don't do it justice. Exactly. You really have to a, see it's, it. It's a Baron 58P, and when he got rid of it, he uh, sold it off to his uh, friend uh, Jim Kelly, who's a railroad magnate, and. Um, he bought the plane and uh, restored it a little bit. He put some money into the panel and uh, into the interior, and he put some uh, pretty cool artwork on the side that was representative of John Glenn. And then um, he invited John back to sign it, so John's signature is on the plane. Um, his wife, Annie, also signed the plane because she said she got right seat time. If he's signing it, I'm signing it. So she did as well. You know, um, so, yeah, I've been hanging out with the M0A folks and, and uh, working over in their booth as well. Um, and then here with the radio station. And, and, of course, helping with, with Stuck Mike, get some and interviews stuck out Mike there. Stuck Mike, yep. banging it out of the park, that's for sure. Well, I know, Tom, you, you need to get hustling, and uh, we really appreciate all you do here and, and the hard work. Tom actually starts working here at Sun and Fun. Well, just like a lot of other volunteers start, well, what, like a week in advance or something oh, like yeah. that? Well, well, maybe some, more than that, Sometimes right? even it's like a month in advance. You can come out and do some preview, um, you know, preview stuff to get so, uh, set up for it. And then, you know, the week before, I think the first day I was here this time was uh, Sunday morning. Worked all day Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday before the show even started just to get things uh, put together. And, yeah, and it's just amazing to see how many other people do. Um, I overflew this airport, Lakeland, uh, probably about two months ago um, at 8,000 feet right over the top of the field. And I got a couple of pictures, you know, just snapped straight down. And you could see, I think the only thing that was here was the AOPA tent, you know. And I'd love to get another shot of it today in mid-show. That would just be awesome. That would be awesome. You, know, you mentioned something right before you go that you were here and there's people helping out. One of the things that we sometimes forget to do is to honor the volunteers that we have here at Sun and Fun. There's people that, you know, I heard this on the Van Inn. Someone asked how many people are employed here at the airport, which maybe Eric could help me. Uh, I couldn't tell you the airport, but, but I think Sun and Fun is like 16, 17 people. It's, 16, a, yeah. it's a very That's, small staff. And, and, and there's like a couple thousand volunteers. Like, uh, over a thousand volunteers. Yeah, even there's more than that, that many uh, volunteers right here. 2,500, is that what it is? 
3,500 is what I'm here about. Jeez. Uh, 3,500 volunteers yeah. with 17 employees. Yes. Pretty incredible. That, that's amazing the job they do with that. But, uh, Tom, thanks so much for helping us uh, here and no, volunteering. No, no. And uh, tomorrow we'll definitely see you. What, what are you going to be yep. up to tomorrow? Uh, a little bit of the same old stuff. You know, I'm actually doing a little bit of showtime in tomorrow. I'm going to go around and, uh, you know, go look at some airplanes and go look at some uh, supplies and, you know, all hit all the vendors and, you know, just soak it all in, you know. If you see anything good. Get two, one for me. All right, we'll do. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, and they, Bill, Bill Carl. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's Eric, right, right there, right there on the top of my list, and, and right under that is Carl. Yeah. I'm uh, cutting uh, your salary, by the way, <laughs> by half. Oh, 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 oh no, because that's he, he doubled mine. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> See, he doubled mine, so he's got to get it from somewhere. He works for shirts, but uh, anyway, Tom, I appreciate it. And uh, one of the things that's been great about Tom, he's he's come up through the ranks of you, you started uh, listening to Aviation Careers podcast, and you started as a private pilot, and now currently, uh, what what type of certificates do you have? So let's see, I have my uh, CFI, CFII, and commercial multi-instrument, and hopefully MEI will be here real soon. Cool. You know, and it started uh, finding my way just trying to learn things, and I've, I found myself at an FAA safety meeting, which is where I met you, Carl. Yes, and, yeah. And you were the impetus to all of this other stuff, because, uh, you know, I asked you about what I could do to, you know, kind of get into some stuff in aviation, and you put me in touch with uh, Dave Schalbetter here at Sun of Fun Radio, and, you know, the rest is history. It's just been kind of growing ever since then. Yeah. Did he say, do one thing today to further your aviation? Absolutely, wow. he did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it was kind of, that was, you know, it was an FAA safety <laughs> seminar, and it was kind of... It sounds that, like that, that too, does it? Roast it out his head. Yeah. <laughs> One That's thing exactly to right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One thing to help your aviation crew. Well, thanks. We're going to do yeah. a hot swap here with our, our next guest again, Tom. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, you guys help. have fun, man. And uh, we'll be talking to you next time. Appreciate it. See if you, you could help us bring our next guest up, I, that'd be wonderful. Going back uh, to Eric, we, we cut you off at your story as far as your, the, the college and how many students. Now, going back, we have, what, about 200 enrollees? Is that around? 194. 194. That's crazy. close. Yeah. It's crazy. 194. And how many people in the actual flight program? So 90, 90 or so, 86, I think is the actual number, around in that area. Yeah, wow. That are in the flight program. And actual flying is? Uh, Total flying is 46 this semester. Wow. They're on the, they're on the roster. Dude, that, yeah. that's huge. I mean, I, yeah. I've been around involved in, in you know, the flight team, et cetera, and uh, the schools we compete against, have uh, we've just gone, grown way above their, their size. It's amazing. And I think the reason being is you have so much value. Uh, in your college. I don't know if we want to talk a little bit about that, but it's... Uh no, I, I appreciate that. I, I think it's about access and opportunities. I mean, I think there are a lot more people who would get into aviation if they thought it was available to them. I mean, when I was 13 and wanted to be a pilot, I didn't know anybody was a pilot. I didn't know how to become a pilot. <laughs> I was like, do I, I guess I have to go in the Air Force or something. So my aunt lived in Columbus, Mississippi. I went over to the Columbus Air Force Base for an air show. She was really good friends with one of the training commanders there. So we, we're talking, we're having a conversation. He goes... Uh, you're wearing glasses. I was like, yeah. He goes, yeah. Well, you you can't fly in, in the Air Force. I'm like, well, but <laughs> what am I going to do? do? <laughs> he goes, but you you can actually just go to like any airport and like learn to fly. I'm like, really? That's a thing? You can do that? <laughs> <You> can do that? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, and really, it is it is absolutely a function of the people, the mentors. The I mean, there was no aviation careers podcast uh, way back in the in the dark ages, um, but. It's those people who talked to me and and told me, well, there 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 are these career options and you can do all of this stuff. Otherwise, I would have no, no idea what to do. And it's that's what I think this program is. It's just, if nothing else, it's a it's a signpost in the road. It says you can go here, 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 here. If you want to go this way, this is how you get there. If you want to go this way, this is how you get there. And then when when you start figuring out, well, I don't know, I'm somewhere in the middle of these two tracks. There's like it's like we're like Siri. 
uh, Siri, help me get a pilot degree. And that's that's and then that's what we that's what we do. You know, one of the things I think is really cool about the program is you've helped so many people move forward in their careers, and we actually have people flying at the airlines. Is it? Is it? Not been around for very long, and we have people at the airlines now flying. Yeah, it's, it's insane. That, that Eventually, is, I'm going to get an air on an airplane with one of them and be like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to take, take us. Can, can I get another flight? Especially if it's that guy. That over guy there. over there. I'm He's pointing not, at somebody around I the corner. I am not. Right? I'm not getting on an airplane flown by that guy. But seriously, you're going to tell me it's the captain's leg, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> of course. As long as it's the captain's leg, I'm good. Well, before we're actually going to let him come on on the deck soon, but uh, and the person we're hinting at is uh, somebody who went through the program, actually flying a jet now at one of the airliners as a first officer. It's really cool. But before we do that, we have, like we said, we have a lot of guests coming on this evening, and Larry actually uh, brought on a guest to the deck who has a, an exciting product, something really fun, something I want to buy, and uh, but <laughs> and I of course of them, it's, I was going to say it's a, it's got to be an airplane, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Who do we have joining us today? This is Bill Colino, and Bill is with Titan Aircraft uh, out of Ohio. Yeah, we're out of Ohio. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well, Bill. Thanks for being here. And uh, t- tell our audience just a little bit. I- I'm seeing kind of a picture here on your shirt, but uh, tell, tell the folks uh, uh, what you guys build. Yeah, we build a three-quarter scale P-51 Mustang. And you've been flying around Sold. here this week. Yeah, we've been flying over here. we got the new one out. It's got a BMW V12 in it. So wow. It, uh, sound good. Yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> you re- I tell everybody, there's two times you really love it. Is when you first start it up, and everybody looks at it like, oh, my God, it's a real Mustang. And then when you're taxiing in, and you're shutting it down, and everybody goes, oh, my God, it's a real Mustang. <laughs> it's apropos that BMW is making the engine. You know, Obviously, their, their logo was a propeller, the first uh, propeller engine to go to 25,000 feet. And uh, I used to work for BMW. That's the only reason I know that. But the, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible... Isn't he crazy, Ross? Don't it, it, you just hate it when he does random that? Trivia it's like, facts. what is yeah. this? And I have many useless facts there the, for you. The rest of us so here on the deck are looking at each other like, we didn't know that. I got a BMW fact for you. What's that? Who owns talk. the Rolls-Royce uh, logo? Rolls-Royce, Land Cruiser, I don't know. BMW. BMW. Yeah. They sold... Uh, they sold they, everybody come to the show, and we had this BMW set up, and it had uh, Rolls-Royce on the valve covers because it looks the part and everything and it's called an m73 the block mm-hmm. it's a 5.4 liter it only makes about 326 horse but it's but it's super smooth horses you know sounds like you know motors and <laughs> uh and airplanes tell us a little bit about your airplane it's a that's a fun looking plane i mean uh, who's who's the audience who are you intending to sell these to and who do oh, you? we've sold all kinds of people people my age baby boomers um we have some young people that are building them uh mainly uh old retired Airline captains. No. <laughs> Notice he said oh, old. I saw a wink. <laughs> I saw a wink. I, saw a wink. I can tell me and Bill are going to be friends. <laughs> now he's teasing me. <laughs> That's okay. He can stay now. <laughs> so where, where are you located here on Sun and Fun? I know a lot of people will be listening to this live right now if they want to come by and take a look. Well, we're on uh, Paradise Island, Paradise City, City over there. Okay. And um, we've been doing, I do demo flights most uh, all the morning. And then we do the showcase. We fly by here. You know, just pulling up in front of us is a large engine from uh, Support Young Eagles. Hey, guys. Look at the waves. Look at that. Man, that's a – I think they're missing the airplane attached to that. Whew. It's, a, it's quite it's like a, a giant engine. <laughs> it's, a cool, it's a cool go-kart. Yeah, it is. I'd love to, I'd love to ride I would, around. To I would definitely ride around Winter Haven. Yeah. Like pull up to McDonald's and be like, I need a Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I think that thing's based in Spruce Creek or something. Spruce Creek? Well, we'll go up there and check it yeah, out. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Isn't that, isn't that a short flight for us? <laughs> That's great. 
The, now, Titan Aircraft, I mean, there's uh, another way they can find us. Say right now they're listening to us yep. over the Internet. Where can they find that? Because this is going to be broadcast later. TitanAircraft.com. Titan Aircraft. That was easy. That was easy. What? Try to make it hard as we can. Yeah. <laughs> you know what would be really those, cool? Those airline captains have to be able to yeah. figure it out. you got to so spell it, it out. Up, down, <laughs> land, Rotate, take off. Autopilot. Autopilot. Oh. Copy, copy, copy. Uh, copy, copy, copy. <laughs> <laughs> he must have worked <laughs> in an airline before. <laughs> I got FAA buddies. They tell me how it goes. <laughs> and uh, read the USA Today, right? That's right. <laughs> Did anybody bring that? No, I'm just kidding there, by the way. The uh, But now say, say you know, Eric and I would love to buy one of these. And uh, and I by we, gone. I mean Carl. Okay. And no, I'll no, fly half, it for him. on this one. Habsies. <laughs> on this one. <laughs> what kind Habsies of? like 99.1? Is 99, that how that works? Oh, no, that's not how it works. He wasn't very good at math, by the way. I don't know how he flies an airplane. How much? What kind of price point are we looking at? I know there's various ones here, so various well, models. The kit starts out at 55000 okay. And then we have two different speed. We have a speed wing and a regular wing that we started out with. Um, there's a little upcharge on that. And then there's uh, different engine options, but... Mainly the LS3 Corvette engine is the most popular engine. It's uh, brand new in the box. You buy the right, right from GM. Mm-hmm. Um, that ends up, uh, at, by the time you're done, you have about 90,000 in it, but about 1,500 hours of labor. How about manufactured? How many manufactured? Yeah, do you have any manufactured? Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, we have, so. um, we make them. They, they vary in quality depending on what the quality was or what the engine uh, performance was, but they'll vary from 150 to 225,000. For something that looks really cool, it's a lot of fun to fly. Oh, yeah. How about aerobatics? Full aerobatics. I got my low level card in it. I got a 250 card. I do uh, uh, basically gentleman aerobatics, warbird aerobatics in it. Loops, rolls, spins. Loops, rolls, spins, point rolls, uh, Cuban 8s, Emmelmans, split S's. Anything with an inverted? Um, we're actually developing out? one right yeah. now. I'm doing a P40 right now, and I'm going to put an inverted uh, oil system in it. Oh, cool. Awesome. And I'll turbocharge it, so it'll be uh, 430 horse with a turbo. So we can get it up to flight levels. Sweet. What, you do other aircraft, though, and there was something else I think we you, do. You, you were, I guess, known for in the past. Well, or uh, still. John Williams started a company. Uh, he always loved He's a electronics engineer and makes uh, thermal injection mold controllers. And uh, he started a company, and he wanted to build airplanes. So he started building uh, the CGS Hawk. Remember that? Ultralight? Oh, yes. yeah. In the yeah, yeah. 80s, John Denver kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. he started building that, and that was going crazy in the 80s. And then he developed an airplane called the Tornado. And in 92, he came out with a Tornado. Today, we've sold, I don't know, close to 1,000 of them. And we sell them to the military as drones. Drones, yeah. But the Mustang, we started making in 02. And it's just been growing and developing into a different airplane every year, you know, just growing. I heard the drone sales are going well. Well, not for us. Yeah. They're flying them, and they're not crashing them. <laughs> well, it's oh, hard to, wait a it's hard to it's sell wait. stuff if when they're we first, not. When we first got into it, when we first got into it, they were crashing them like every week. And they're like, hey, we need another wing. We need another wing. We need a fuselage. You guys get, we just crashed this when We got another wing? Sure. <laughs> well, now they got the computers working and everything's working, so. They don't call us for parts anymore. <laughs> well, gosh, Bill, I appreciate you coming here today. Is there anything else we need to know about Titan or how they can find that on the Internet and uh, where they can take a demo flight? Well, they can, uh, in the mornings, I'm doing demo flights every morning over at uh, Paradise City. Paradise City, okay. Um, if they come to the factory, we always encourage people to come to the factory and see what we do. 
so that they know we're not working in a little garden shed in the back of the house or something. Um, we have a 35,000 square foot building. We got just what? under 50 employees and we're building airplanes every day. So where can I fly into with my small airplane? Well, small you can fly into our airport. We have our own airport, okay. 7 Delta 9. It's Seven called Gurmak. And what's it near, the closest, say, large uh, commercial airport? It would be east of Cleveland. East of Cleveland? Okay. So flying to Cleveland or flying to your airport? Yep. And then you can come in and uh, we're right there. Our, that's our airport. I live on the airport, so we'll know you're there and take you over to the factory. Awesome. So how's the show going? Good. Yeah. show's going good. Enjoying it? Great. Yeah. Terrific. Well, we appreciate you coming here. We're going to have to swap off to our next guest. And, uh, Not a problem. Thanks so much. And uh, thanks, th- Bill. don't forget, thanks, Titan Bill. Aircraft, that's the really cool looking uh it's a mustang out there and the, the designator is actually not uh it's not p51 it's yeah. a t t51 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 for titan titan aircraft thanks so much right. Bill. Well, thanks for having so us yeah it's been terrific you guys have a good day thanks, thanks the uh, going back to our aerospace program eric and I, I there's one more thing we need to do before we get our next guest on here is uh you know polk state college actually does does a lot for the community and reaching out Another thing you have coming up is actually uh, the uh, open house, don't you? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so our annual open house is coming up this summer. We do uh, one a year, and it's always really well attended, but I wanted to talk about it tonight just because we know we have a local audience that's listening also. So June 8th, 2017, from 6 to 8 p.m., we'll be having our open house. We'll have a lot of our um, educational partners there, some of our hiring partners as well. So education is great. Uh, the next step up from that, though, is a job. So it's nice to meet some of the people that you may be working for. Um, and then we try to do that as well at our open house. Uh, for your information, if you wish to come to said open house, that's 2949 Airside Center Drive right here in sunny Lakeland, Florida. We would love to have you. Uh, so please come by if you're in the area. Awesome. And uh, one of the things that we'd love to promote is all the different airlines that are involved, you know, JetBlue Airlines, uh, ExpressJet Airlines. I think you have a couple more partnerships in the wings. It's uh, pretty terrific. I don't know if there's any we can announce still. No, I mean, JetBlue and ExpressJet are are two current partners. JetBlue's partnership is mainly um, educational in nature. ExpressJet's a hiring partnership. We participate in their AP3 program. Um, and have had great success. I'm happy to report that 100% of our applicants who've interviewed have been offered a job. So, um, wow. And that's a really cool program, though, because this is after your instrument rating. So your first year of college is under your belt, and you already have a job waiting on you. When I graduated, they gave me a diploma and said, good luck. <laughs> Hope it works out for you. Um, but this is a totally different thing. This is seeing the light at the end of the tunnel way before you get to the end of the tunnel. And that's a huge opportunity for students. You know, it's really cool. They actually get to go and fly in certain simulators. And I think recently, yeah, they actually logged time in an Airbus, wasn't it? Yeah, so our partnership with JetBlue is great. Their uh, training center is in Orlando, which is outstanding. So we get to go over and take tours. We do one tour every year where we invite all of our program students to go over so that we can introduce them to everything that is an airline. Because much like us, JetBlue believes in a, a crew member mentality where everybody's part of the same crew. We do different jobs, but we all do the same thing as part of a system. So you can see everything that is an airline when you go uh, into their training center. And we go back a second time with 10 of our best pilot students who get to actually log some time in an Airbus A320 simulator, not the real thing. 
but it's close enough. It's good enough for the pilots. So. Hey, yeah, I mean, the first first landing you do after that simulator is actually with passengers. With revenue behind you. Yes, it is. Well, you know, joining us on the deck is somebody who really has been knocking it out of the park in the morning and uh, has been doing the morning show every day. I don't know how he gets up that mor- that early in the morning. I did meet him once. He carries a coffee pot on site. I saw that this it, morning. Yeah, I could imagine. He has his own coffee pot <laughs> plugged into a generator on site. It happens. And, and that's David Allen and Michael Ladd. They uh, both are here, but actually Dave's on the uh, on the deck on the microphone. Welcome to the podcast, and you do a wonderful job. So this is what it's like to actually sit on the deck. Yes, yes, it, it's different. Sun and Fun Radio. <laughs> <laughs> How long has it been since you've been on the deck? Dave? Actually, we had to bail on our on our remote broadcast on Thursday because of the storm. So we were actually broadcast here from uh, yesterday, but it was dark and stuff. So now, I mean, it's kind of nice. It's a nice view. I, I like oh, it. Yeah. It's pretty. It's awesome. And we get to see everybody walking by. We get to see part of the air show. It's terrific. But not from your vantage point. Uh, your vantage point is pretty awesome out there in the field. Did some great interviews this morning and also in the mornings past. Uh, some really uh, people that are excited and passionate about aviation. It's, it's awesome that you're bringing that forth. I think your interview this morning was definitely the, the best. best. This morning uh, we had a phenomenal <laughs> interview. We had Paul Harrop with <laughs> hey, AOPA here we go. Live. Go watch this. <laughs> we, had, we, had, uh, we had Jamie Beckett with AOPA. And then we had this other guy. Yeah. And, um, and why did they I, what was his name? Uh, Man. <laughs> um, oh, uh, Eric Crump. Oh, right? that yeah. guy. The guy sitting next to me. That's right. <laughs> That's Sorry we forgot about you. That's okay. <laughs> it was really fun, and, and I we knew that this was going to be one of our favorites of the week. Mike and I knew that this was going to be one of our favorites, and so we basically just said, uh, here's here's the deathmatch box. Ready, go. And we just kind of stepped back and watched the show. And Most was, of the show was Dave just putting his mic down and sipping his coffee that he had brewed on site <laughs> with his on site <laughs> coffee maker. Hey, man, it, it was cold this morning and desperate times call for desperate <laughs> measures. Uh, yeah, we've had a great time. We love taking the radio away from the deck. The deck is great and it's a beautiful deck, and, but it's fun to kind of get out on the field and actually see Sun and Fun and bring it there live and meet the people. Uh, of course, it's Sun and Fun is always about the people, and so we uh, we do it. This show, the morning show, from a different place every day, and then we do one or two remotes from other places off-site, five or ten minutes each, and uh, we have a good time. Yeah, and now a little bit about your background. You put some pretty pretty cool videos out there. I like them. I love watching some of those, and uh, the ones with you going to some kind of camp in the past were really neat. I think that was cool with the shots that you did there. Yeah, you know, we um, you're talking about like the Facebook Live stuff that I've been yeah. doing. Yeah, you know, video is so it's it's an interesting animal because it's changing so rapidly and I don't even know what to do to keep up. So we just keep trying different things. And um, I've been doing a lot of live streams, live Facebook streams for Sun and Fun's webpage, uh, Sun and Fun's Facebook page, uh, excuse me, Sun and Fun Radio's Facebook page. Uh, I've done a couple for my other people's airplanes page, which has not been getting a lot of traction lately, but we're working on trying to bring that kind of back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love doing the video stuff. I tell you who's really putting out a lot of great videos this week you ought to check out is uh, uh, Jack Hodgson, jackhodgson.com. Oh, yeah. he's, he's been putting out a video a day. Uncontrolled uh, airspace, Jack yeah. Hodgson. Yeah. yeah, he's been he's we'll been really to, kind of crushing it. Yeah, he has. It's actually he just started doing that. I thought that was a really yeah, cool thing that he did there. But uh, you, you know, the other thing that you started as a project with other people's airplanes was really cool. You have a passion for flying, uh, and the, the one thing I want to point out is you go to all these events. Um, you, you don't actually have your certificates yet, do you? Uh, no, I am not a certificated pilot at all. But you have this incredible passion for aviation, which we love. And that's neat that you're still out here. And uh, someday you want to get your license, don't you? 
Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to, and, so, and eventually I will. I think maybe I don't know. It's hard to say. But there's no shortage if, of people here who can provide dual. I'm just saying. <laughs> right, right. Is there is there any shortage of people who can put fuel in the plane and give it to me for free? I don't I don't know. Hey, Carl's been uh, offering money. Tom was going to pay to bring Rick down <laughs> he, here. He's like Mr. Scholarship over here. Yeah. Yes, I am. Get I a scholarship. There you, you should. You can find like, me. Can we, we should talk. Yes, off we one. took. That'd be fantastic. We should. As a matter of fact, I'm glad. Can I plug that now? Please the do. Shameless plug is uh, Aerospace Scholarships of course we're the uh, publisher of that and uh, I've been the author of that for a few years and that's uh, it's really inexpensive it's ten dollars to actually purchase that over at uh, Amazon and now we're in the iTunes store and it's an online database and aerospace scholarships.com is the largest online database of aerospace scholarships that have been verified and we verify them continuously and we add new ones all the time and uh, th just to give you a, an idea we have over 10 million scholarships that are given away uh, every year by the organizations that are represented in our scholarships guide. And I know, Eric, you've been a big proponent, so I appreciate that. Money is a huge barrier in aviation. I mean, that's just called, I mean, it's a spade a spade. So, I mean, it's it's an issue for every single person. And I have a, a little bit of a benefit in that being a state school, you get access to federal financial aid and all kinds of things like that. But even most of that money is money you're going to owe back eventually to somebody. What you have done with the scholarship guide is incredible. I remember looking at the first draft of it when you had this crazy idea. You're like, you know, it's really hard to find aviation scholarships. I should like put together a guide or something. And so Carl shows me this web page. It was, it was, I was called it, it was sketchy. It, it was, was really <laughs> sketchy. And he's like, this is kind of, it's like, but I saw it. I saw exactly what it was going to be. And I said, yeah, you absolutely must do this. And today it's, it's just amazing. Yeah. We decided to, uh, everybody who comes to my office gets one of my business cards so they can follow up with questions that they have them and they get an aviation or aerospace scholarships.com. Yeah. Card. Well, I appreciate that. And yeah. it's really helping people. Uh, it, we made the price point low. It's only $10. And, uh, we have a whole staff that just works on updating those. And I, I can't really take credit for most of that. I, I think I worked on the first 20 scholarships. The rest of them are researched by a staff of people that do a bang up job. Big shout out uh, to Russ Bonchu, who's uh, my assistant and also the person who's the expert on the scholarships. Done a wonderful job there. And uh, we have, even still, I've always said this, we have uh, about, gosh, over 200 scholarships and another 200 that are still in, in the wings waiting to be put into the guide. We're really excited about that. David, Alan, tell me a little bit about where we can find you on the Internet before we go too much further. Uh, you know, we're, uh, we have a website, uh, otherpeoplesairplanes.com. Probably the best place to find us right now is just on our Facebook page. We try to put stuff out there. So uh, I think it's uh, facebook.com slash fly OPA. Um, is it that? Or is it? Oh, I can't remember. Maybe, maybe it's facebook.com slash other people's airplanes. Just do a search. You'll find us yeah, other people on there. other people's airplanes. And so cool. we're putting out cool. some stuff. And we're going to be trying to ramp that up soon. But... Uh, in the meantime, um, you know, we, we, we're here. Cool. Sun and Fun awesome. having a ball. What's, what's been your, your favorite thing now about the Sun and Fun so far? Uh, I, uh, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> you do? Yeah, I do. It's what uh, we always say, right? Well, I don't know. You may, you may be surprised. <laughs> um, to be uh, My favorite thing about Sun and Fun is always, is always the people. And, you know, it's coming here once a year. Uh, my favorite probably single event was definitely this morning's morning run-up show. We oh, had we listen did, to uh, it. We really, He's only saying it because I'm here, though. It was really fun. I mean, it was just a blast. <laughs> of course, all of the shows we've had. We Yesterday, we talked to uh, KT Bud Jones and uh, Sid Jones with Stallion 51. They were wonderful uh, to talk to. We had a blast with them. Uh, unfortunately, we got rained out. We couldn't do it from in front of the Mustangs. 
but uh, you know, we it, they, all of the shows we do, all the people we talk to, we just have such a great time, uh, and I do, I really enjoy doing the morning show. Yeah, and you've really developed this. This you developed the passion of aviation and other people by doing that morning show, and that's what we appreciate. You're other places too. You've been to other air shows, and you're out there, uh, which is kind of cool. And you show up in this really cool car. What what are all those stickers on it? And, and oh no, those are, that's paint. Those are painted on. Are they really? No, of course not. <laughs> wow. Like, wow. We, <laughs> me Paul, going. <laughs> Paul, Paul Paul Harrop actually looked at this thing and he's like, "What's going on?" And everybody had to say, "No, they're magnets." And he's like, "Okay, uh, no, it's painted up like a like a like a fighter jet. It's got you know jet intake on the front." And danger jet blast on the back, and it's got some uh, a sticker with a triangle that says uh, "danger ejection seat." Of course, the door handle is the rescue, you know, with a big rescue arrow on it. So, what did you I, call? You called it something on Facebook. Uh, so I got this from a, another aviation enthusiast. The, the the vehicle was actually given to me by a very close friend of mine, and he called it the Heap, and it's because it's a Jeep. Uh, it's a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and so he's called it the Heap, and I'm not going to change the name of the vehicle halfway through its life. So uh, it's I the like Heap. It. It's the Heap. I like it. And with a capital H, of course. Of course. Yeah. I, I thought it was like an F-14 at first, and... I guess in your dreams too. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I try to drive it like one. I haven't yeah, been able no, to get believe it. Me, I've seen you drive. I haven't tried to make it. Ro- it hasn't rotated. Yet. I was inverted <laughs> because I was inverted. <laughs> I, if, if, if that thing goes inverted, there is a problem. <laughs> well, thanks for inspiring so many aviators with all the things you do. You are out there on the internet, banging out videos, live feeds. It's just incredible what you do. And uh, he's smiling right now, and that beaming smile comes across in, in whatever he does. So we really appreciate what you done i only wish i could do more and yeah. and uh hopefully one day we can but yeah we have a ball with it for sure awesome awesome appreciate you thanks for having me yeah yeah thanks david thanks, uh david. you know another uh, person that i really is i think one of the best here at moving forward and helping people with their passion in aviation is is kevin lacy kevin lacy was uh from airplane repo and a real stand-up guy uh real down to earth and he's uh somebody that i think has taken his his quote-unquote fame and and turned it into a really good cause he's helping people move forward in their careers their lives and in aviation and uh i i tell you i love watching the show and it's been yep. a lot of fun I, I know larry you've seen the show yep and, and it's been neat watching everybody do all those neat tricks etc but the the biggest trick is getting people involved in aviation and, and kevin's been doing that through a couple of programs and that's one of the reasons we want to bring you up here to uh, welcome to the podcast by the way kevin oh well thanks carl i'm uh, glad to be here yeah and uh you're from new york city i think by the accent or uh the, Just uh, outside of Jersey, I think. Uh, no, it's Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> a southern boy could pronounce it. Huh? How do you like that? But uh, but from uh, Texas, one of one of my many homes, a wonderful spot. Just uh, he has a, you have an interesting business there, and you've uh, actually done quite a few of these airplane repos. Uh, and so let's let's talk a little bit about that. Getting ready for the show, uh, why were you chosen for that show for the airplane repo show? You had uh, an, an interest or experience doing this. No, I kept I kept running Hollywood off. I didn't want anything to do with it. Interesting. I didn't want anything to do with it. They kept running at me, and it probably took them four years, five years maybe, to convince me to do the show, but they kept running at me to do this, and I kept telling them, if you want me to do something with aviation on TV, we'll do something really entertaining, but we're not gonna do, we're not gonna swipe airplanes on TV. We're just not gonna do it. We're gonna go out here and we'll show you how to build a jet engine, or we'll go over here and service a lab or two, you know, we'll go visit with some of the aerobatic performers and what have you. We're just not going to swipe airplanes. And so they ganged, ganged up on me, pushed me in the corner, and told me that 
That's not what's for sale right now. What's for sale is swiping airplanes. You just got the airspace over London shut down. You got thrown in jail and thrown out of Brazil a couple of times. You got busted in East Africa. You know, that's what's got, that's why we're here. Swiping airplanes is what's for sale. And so, you know, you just have to simply go through this and endure this. If you want to come back later after you get branded, identified, people recognize you, maybe you can come back later and do that show if Hollywood likes you. And so, you know, we're done with the show with the airplane repo and perhaps now, uh, maybe my dream of the TV show called Inside the Fence will, you know, come true. Inside the I Fence, like I that. think that's a great idea. And, uh, and and again, Inside the Fence is going to be, it's an idea of yours. Exactly, what are you going to have? Do you have any episodes thought up yet? Uh, well, I've got 49 outlined already. That's all? Uh, <laughs> okay. So nothing really. <laughs> it's just some napkins <laughs> he drew a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it was, you know, no big deal. I just scratch it out. Every time I go to the airport, I see another idea, you know. I mean, and it's just uh, the problem today is that, you know, somebody in the, in the levels of bureaucracy of our government decided we needed 10-foot tall razor wire fences around all of our airports, you know. And so kids don't really have the opportunity to go to the airports anymore and go hang out and kind of get the bug like the rest of us did, yeah. you know. I mean, uh, back in our day, we'd rode our bicycles around up and down mm -hmm. the T-hangers and what have you. And before you knew it, we were out flying airplanes yeah. and sweeping hangar floors and doing any other odd job we could just to get another 10 minutes of flight time. And so those opportunities are almost gone by virtue of those fences now. So I'd like to, you know, let people see what kind of opportunities actually do happen inside the fence, inside all those hangar walls that nobody can see anymore. I think it's a great idea. And, uh, you know, one of the things I, I like about you, Kevin, I can say something nice about you here, is the fact that... You don't uh, have to. I uh, didn't pay no, you enough. No, no. no. <laughs> I'll give him the $100 bill later. Is, is the fact that it, the, the fame hasn't gotten to your head, first of all. Number two, uh, the fact that you really are genuine and you really want to help kids get involved in, in aviation. It's uh, We talked a little bit about this offline, about the show, and in a lot of different reality shows that seem that a lot of people are acting. You, you know, you're the real deal, and that's what we love about you, and I like that. I like the fact that you, you really do reach out to, to the youth, and you want to see them get involved, and you want to see them do well, and, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, well, I really do, and uh, thank you so much, Carl. Uh, but, you know, I find a lot of inspiration in a lot of folks, you know, and Sun and Fun here provides me some informa uh, inspiration in particular with Mike Z and the Lakeland Aero Club. And in fact, back home in Texas, I just started the Tango 31 Aero Club. Uh, we just got our charter and our paperwork uh, the 1st of March. Uh, we're real pleased that we've got three projects that we're about to start on. We're Actually, we've started on a 67 model Cessna 150. We've got a Piper Cub that we're going to start on as soon as that one's done. We've been donated a Glass Air 3 project, and we get a Bonanza in December. So we're, wow. we're off to a pretty good start, but we're limited on space right now. <laughs> so, so these projects you're starting on, let's back up a little bit. You, you're involved in another project called, I think it's called Eagle's Nest, is that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. A, I'm, I'm a mentor with the Eagle's Nest project, and there's several of those aircraft sitting out here on the flight line right now, and those are RV-12s, and the RV-12s are built in by high school kids. Uh, high school with, kid. Right, right. I mean, what we're talking about, this is actually a dual credit class uh, at high school. And uh, the McKinney Aviation Academy back home uh, finally saw it my way and decided to go ahead and join up with the Eagle's Nest Project <laughs> and uh, Ernie Butcher out of uh, Houston, Texas area. Great guy. And we're now building the 14th RV-12. We should, it'll, be, it'll fly to Oshkosh this summer. And this will be the 14th RV-12 built by high school kids. And it will go to Oshkosh this summer. So, so people can understand more about this, and you can actually start one yourself. They'll help you. Ernie will actually help you, or you, you, they can call you, or whoever. Uh, that's actually a project, I think, that teaches a lot more than just aviation. 
uh, yeah, this uh, pathway to lead the uh, project lead the way. I think it is, yep. uh, and and those guys. I mean, they really beat them to to a pulp with aviation history. So in order to understand where we're going to go, we got to know where we came from. And they do a lot of history, a lot of studies, a lot of math, weight and balance. I mean, all these kinds of issues that prepares them to actually get in that airplane and fly it once it's finished. And the one thing I like about Project Lead the Way is it teaches a lot of responsibility, too. Uh, you know, I have a nephew that's actually involved. I hope he's, he's going to ma- get mad at me, I know, for mentioning him. But uh, in periods where maybe they fall behind in their studies, uh, they actually can't go out and work on the, the aircraft. And uh, it really bums certain people out. Uh, especially since but they're no, nobody you know but nobody I know no, no. <laughs> I'm not calling anybody out and uh, you know once their grades get back up again they're able to get back out there and and work on those projects and one of the that's one of the benefits is uh, you know teaching responsibility uh, there's some great people out there that help with that program uh, uh, shout out to Beth Jenkins out there at Georgetown uh, Georgetown Airport in Texas and uh, the squadron that uh, I've been in is uh, Devil Dog Squadron she has a B25 but also works very closely with the Eagle's Nest program. And, uh, and there's lots of other people out there doing this. I think it's terrific. Well, I think the problem is that the youngsters don't really uh, have a venue to find these opportunities out there. And that's, you know, hopefully with like the Lakeland uh, Aero Club here leading the way with uh, with their project. I mean, they, Michael Z and, and Donovan Richards over there, they do a fantastic job of uh, making sure that the people are the right people that really are motivated and want to be in aviation and they help them along the way. One thing's really interesting in case you know there's a a Delta Connection CRJ sitting over here on the ramp and that airplane was flown in here today by a graduate of the uh, of the Lakeland Aero Club. Wow. Went through uh, Central Florida Aerospace Academy, Lakeland Aero Club, and went on. To currently enrolled in, in, in the Polk State, Polk State College, College bachelor's yes. degree. <laughs> That's all I was trying to get. He, I mean, he's pretty much checked all the boxes. He sure has. That's participated great. in everything that was available. As a matter of fact, we saw it just rotate a, a few moments ago and, and yeah. take off. So that's it's pretty exciting to see someone finally go from you know a breezer to uh, a CRJ 900. It's it's a bit of a change uh, for him and very exciting for us. That's well, for sure. so he's already fled the scene, but you know he's off, offered a lot of inspiration to the other Lakeland. Aero Club kids that are over here now just to be able to see that, wow, I can actually do that. You know, I, I'm not so sure we've had Lakeland Aero Club on here much, and, and I don't think people on our podcast know much about it. Uh, maybe you could tell them a little bit about Lakeland Aero Club. I don't, you know, Kevin, <laughs> he's looking around. <laughs> I think I know where Michael Z is. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he yeah. might be right over there. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, well, well, might be able to get him back up there and talk a little yeah, bit about that. Yeah, it's after 6 o'clock. He's yeah. probably right over there. <laughs> he's, pointing, he's pointing at the Budweiser tent. It's at the, it's a, he's at the Sunset Grill, I bet you. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's interesting. They actually build these, and they have a, quite a few over there. And then do they sell them? How do they raise money, et cetera? Uh, they've been the benefactor of, uh, of a gentleman, and I don't under- don't recall his name, but he unfortunately passed away last Friday. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he built their hangar for them, and he's helped set up some scholarship funds for the folks. Now, you know, and, and to put this in perspective, guys, I mean, I don't know if you guys really get out and travel very much, but for this old boy here, I wander around up there in, in uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, at Air Venture, and I see all these 17-, 18-year-old kids wandering around, and I, you know, hey, how'd you guys get here 
that little Piper Cub over there, you know. Now these these youngsters, it's really inspirational to see them, and they're all well spoken, well mannered, and they 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 behave pretty well, or for the most part, you know what what we better can than see. I did at seventeen and eighteen. <laughs> I can assure you of that, without a doubt. But you know, these kids have jumped in these little airplanes, and they put their finger on a map, and they've flown eleven hundred miles across the countryside, and uh, just you know, that's really really inspirational to see yeah. for for a guy like me. Well, I think you're exactly right, and and I've talked to. At least four uh, at this uh, at this Sun of Fun interviewed them teenagers who flew here in, in one form or another, and uh, I think we'll probably talk about that a little bit later on the podcast. But you give the uh, you give young people something to inspire them and just and watch them succeed, and it's amazing, and I love to see that. Absolutely. Oh, it's very rewarding for me. You know, I go over to the hangar and I pull out the maintenance manual, pull out the parts catalog. I said, all right, your job today is to overhaul that fuel strainer. And the tools are right there. Just read this first. Go look at it. Read this again. Go look at the parts and get busy. And, you know, to see these kids uh, accept the responsibility and uh, to roll up their shirt sleeves at 16 to 17 years old. And, you know, did I do okay, Mr. Lacey? <laughs> you know, <laughs> half of them call me Kev, you know, and, they, you know, these it's, it's, it's really inspirational. It's a lot of fun. One of the things that I, I've noticed is that you get down and dirty with the, the kids. You're actually in there helping them, which I think is cool. Well, and, and, yeah. And because you have a little experience. Because Kevin that, still too. loves airplanes, too. And, and, that's that's, that's cool what I thing. want to get to. It never stops, does it? Do you, you still fly? You still fix airplanes? What are you, what are you doing now? Well, I just overhauled the engine on my Lycoming. I mean, I literally <laughs> built the engine myself, and I flew it down here. Uh, it's got now 40 hours on the engine. Uh, you know, the, and the kids are all hanging around the hangar watching me, and it was I wasn't going to let them participate in that because I really needed to make sure and focus and make sure I got that one right. You know, we talk a lot about flying jobs and all, but there there's other jobs in aviation, and, and this teaches those the engineering and also maintenance technicians, etc. There's many different career fields there. Uh, somebody who wants to get into maintenance, it also teaches them it's not just about turning wrenches, is it anymore? Oh no, there's responsibility that goes along with this. There's project management. There's so many different aspects that can carry on to other aspects of your life. Doing this kind of uh, mm-hmm. projects with with maintenance, for example, scheduling. I'm going to do a hundred hour inspection. I need uh, I need a couple of I need oil filter. I need O rings. I need gaskets. Uh, just you know, case of oil. All the different things. That, so pre planning is also part of it. So if someone's listening right now, we're trying to figure out a website they can go to. I know Eagles Nest is one that if they're interested in, in getting involved. Do you know of any others that they? Yeah, I believe you can find Eagles Nest projects on uh, the Facebook and on the Facebook on the and, internet. And on the internet. Yes, I think the Lakeland Aero Club has got one up and running pretty well as well. I don't know their. Oh, oh, the Lakeland Aero Club is on Facebook. Uh, make sure you put the the in there or you won't get it. <laughs> the Lakeland Aero Club on Facebook, and I'm sure they'll see your, your beaming face in there, that's for sure. Uh, and the other thing you've been doing, I think that's been really cool with Sun and Fun Radio, you've been out there doing interviews with us. And I know we did a joint interview back there with a gentleman who uh, won the aviation maintenance technician for the southern region. Uh, that was pretty terrific. And what was kind of interesting is that conversation uh, between uh, myself and, and the maintenance technician and then you. And what was neat is you relating how people have changed and, and how certain things they don't do anymore. And they don't uh, and bending metal and, and pounding on metals is a little bit different these days. You know, people don't, don't quite have those skills like they used to. And what, it's what? It become very mechanic, not mechanical, but electronic. Well, you know, un- unfortunately, uh, I think the millennials are taking over aviation because everything is flat screen TVs <laughs> and we don't have any more dials in the end. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, to, to put it in perspective, uh, at the MBAA convention, I was sitting in a Falcon 8X 
and I was just staring at the instrument panel, and I thought I needed a 14-year-old kid to figure out how to work all these TV screens on there. And, I mean, this thing's got a mouse in there, you know, and a click. You can scroll that thing across. You can check your tire pressures. You can tell it, I want to go here, and then it'll file a flight plan for you. It'll tell you what altitude, the best route, how much fuel you're going to use. I mean, it does everything, and it's just incredible. So the old nuts and bolts is uh, kind of turning into avionics Sounds like when I have to fly with Carl. It is. Carl's like a gentle line. He pushes, pushes my nose and says, figure out how to get there, Eric. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this airplane didn't have an autopilot. I need, uh, I need some you, help. You know, honestly, I, I don't know if I should tell this story because the feds are here today, by the way, <laughs> sitting on the bench. But uh, one of the things that's, that that's w- where they should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, don't offend him. He's going to be coming up here as, a, as our guest here. But the uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> I can get over the. He's just kidding. Here, he's just kidding. <laughs> Carl's turning really red right now. <laughs> oh boy! But but one of the things that's that's funny, like you said, we get so used to our technologies. Is uh, I have a friend that has a Stearman, and we went up flying with it last year. And and sure enough, we go out and you know I'm having fun and doing wingovers, etc. And it flies like a dream and uh, then we decided to head back to the airport and uh, I said oh shoot I don't have my GPS I said but of course he knows where we're going and uh, I'm an airline pilot the guy in the back's an airline pilot and he assumed because I'm from here that I knew the area and I assumed that because he was flying out of here he knew the two area. Airline <laughs> pilots the tail dragger. Yeah. Yeah. The two airline pilots how, just... how many airlines does, pilots does it take to change a light bulb none because maintenance was supposed to do that oh. <laughs> somebody that, forgot that, to write it up is that, that, isn't that how that one goes <laughs> so the holes in the Swiss cheese are starting to line up here and, and we're out there looking at the, the, the gas gauge and he says you know we went up and I had to fill it up before we left and I didn't we're gonna we're gonna need to put this down somewhere I said you know how embarrassing this is gonna be with you know guys with over 20,000 hours sitting in the field what are we gonna tell them and uh, just yeah, tell when, them, when you come out of a swamp boat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell them we're doing soft field landings yeah, I was like, okay, good, good idea. But we did find our way back. We filed IFR. We followed, well, we I followed roads. Actually, I said, wait a minute. I can go north. There's a highway there. It's I-4. And then I, I know if I hit that and I hang a left, I'm going to run into Lakeland Airport. And that's uh, that's what we did. We finally found our way back to Lakeland Airport. And, you know, it's funny, though. Just no kidding, kidding aside here. We do forget sometimes how to look out the window and navigate. And uh, it's quite important to know exactly There's still value are. in... Um you're learning to plan across country with a chart and a plotter, and there's value in getting in an airplane and looking outside and trying to figure out where you are. I, th- I think, um, Kevin, to what you were saying, the um, you know, <laughs> here's the parts, here's the book, figure it out. That critical thinking piece, that's one of the greatest teaching tools in aviation. I think when we come out as pilots, one of the greatest things that we learn is how to how to troubleshoot a problem, how to think creatively, and I um, I, I think that's. It's something that we lose when you can just look it up on Google, when you just type it in, but actually developing the <laughs> Kevin, may go, Kevin may go off the back of the deck. Um, but, but I think that's, it's a very valuable skill, and aviation is one of the last remaining places where that, uh, that's still something that we teach. Well, you know, the frustrating part is all this new modern fangled technology that they come up with. You know, I do a lot of young eagle flights. That means taking kids up for the first airplane ride. And, uh, you know, I might not do it exactly the way it was programmed to do because if the kid can reach the rudder pedals, he's taxiing that airplane. We get to the runway, he's going to make the takeoff. But the problem I have is these kids are down there staring at the instrument panel. We're airborne, and I'm going, let's don't hit the trees, please. Let's stay out of the trees. <laughs> and they don't even see the trees because they're staring at the instrument That's panel. Nice. They've been playing video games so dang much, and they don't even look out the window. So I bring a it's paper. It's way out. prettier out there. <laughs> look sure out is. there. Well, you know, there's uh, there's some solid trees out there on the left side of the runway taking off to the south. And, uh, you know, 
I don't want to hurt the old slow hawk up <laughs> smashing them into the trees. <laughs> a lot of times they're only looking through the camera of a drone nowadays, aren't they? You know, a lot of these millennials are getting really getting into drones, and that's it's exciting. That's for sure. It's it's a neat uh, a new uh, fangled idea getting up there with a drone and taking pictures, and, and it's banging it out of the park. People it's are just a modern day RC airplane, you yeah, know. And, and uh, but it does it it provides a, a really important service that's for sure and I, I don't know about what your opinions on drones I'd, l- I'd love to hear that and as far are you as sure uh, about that okay maybe not <laughs> maybe hold on do we have do we have a seven we... second delay is there a, <laughs> can i have a red button please? this is a yeah it's a family friendly show <laughs> but, i'll keep uh, that in mind but but not not to put you on the spot here but uh, uh joining us on the deck actually and uh we really are thankful to the national transportation safety board for allowing bill english to join us this evening he is a senior investigator with the NTSB and also the gentleman who's in charge of the drone programs. And uh, he is uh, somebody who's very passionate about aviation and loves to fly. He's definitely a stick and rudder flyer. That, that's for sure. Welcome to the deck there, uh, Bill. Thanks. Thanks. And- so... You're talking about drones. Are you? Did you imply that I am a millennial? Uh, well, actually, <laughs> there are a lot of gray hairs here between me and Carl. Not as many as him. <laughs> no, and, and he has I, a younger got, face. I got him by a couple years, I think. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm older by waist size. That's for sure. I mean, uh, it's like fifty something. He may is have that, been talking uh, about uh, millennial is, in is terms that, of maturity. I'm uh, not uh, saying well, it. You know, I'm just whoa, saying hey, you're only young to fire over the bow occasionally. Yeah, you're only young once. You can I'm be mature forever. <laughs> Well, Bill, thanks for coming here, and thanks for uh, to the NTSB for allowing you to come to speak here this evening. It's it's been sure. awesome having you on the show in the past, et cetera. And yeah. uh, one of the things that uh, you do at the NTSB, we'll talk about that first, then we'll get into the drones. Okay, uh, is uh, you're a lead investigator, so that means what is it? The FAA gets involved when you take off, and then we call you after we land. That's yeah, yeah. Well, land. land, crash, <laughs> oh, okay. depends right. on the that swamp. We've never yeah. lost one up yeah. there before. It's never left one up yet. Huh? <laughs> we never That's left right. one. That's right. Yeah, my day job there at uh, NTSB, I'm uh, an investigator in the major investigations division. So I lead one of the go teams for uh, typically air carrier or uh, bizjet uh, type aircraft. And yeah, we even have those windbreakers like you see in the movies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just like them. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, what's in the go bag? I gotta uh, ask. Uh, well, there's well, sunscreen. Should, a lot. Not yeah, everything. there's some sunscreen. I, I thought we were on the family-friendly <laughs> yeah, show. Not here. everything. That's in the go bag. <laughs> you just start with the corkscrew. No, no, no. 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 <laughs> Lots of dyke. Yeah, yeah. You know, we got to, in my job, seriously, we have to be prepared for pretty much anything. I mean, I can go. It could be beautiful weather like we have here right now, maybe just a touch chilly, but real nice. It could be, you know, up in the Arctic. It could be desert. It could be jungle. So I got, so my go bag, I've got a little bit of everything. That means I am ill-prepared for any eventuality. <laughs> So wait a minute. Jack of all trades, like master of none. <laughs> I caught that. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you doing here? I mean, are, are you actually working? Are you on uh, no, call? No, I'm, I'm here because just like you guys, I, I love aviation. I That's am awesome. off. I'm on leave. I'm here on my own dime, enjoying the airplanes, learning a bunch of stuff. I'm still an active GA pilot, flight instructor. You know, awesome. you and I talked. Not only did I uh, become a rusty pilot, I became a rusty flight instructor. And in the last uh, three years, I... Got everything back and flying again. That's great. Loving it. Good That's going. Great. Yeah, and the ALPA was another inspiration, I'm assuming, when you said Rusty Pilot and Rusty's Flight Instructor, or no? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's kind of a big thing. You know, yeah. a lot of oh, people yeah. in, you know, of our age, um, people got away from flying, and that has been a very, very important program, I think. For getting a lot of oh, people yeah. back into aviation, they've, they've done a great job with that. Bang up job with people that are, you know, been flying even bigger airplanes, moving down to small airplanes, going from a, you know, a 182 into some of these light sports, especially. Sure. And uh, and you, I'm sure you've seen some of those accidents where 
you see an airline pilot get themselves into a light sport and get themselves into a field. It does happen. It does happen. And yeah. it just asks, you know, the people to ask, though, are the people in the insurance industry because they'll tell you the high risks there that are involved. That's for sure. Yep. But uh, anyway, Kevin, did you want to hang out for a little bit or did you have to get over to uh, off offline here? Well, I know, I, oh. I know actually uh, Eric Crump is going to be leaving us here shortly. Actually, has to leave us with us now, do you? Okay. I do, yeah. Oh, bummer, bummer. Sorry. So, uh, but thanks for coming by. Ke what do you, Kevin what and else? Bill are here. You're fine. Yeah, as far as at the show, just to remind people, where can they find you? What do you mean? We're doing? a little bit of everywhere. Yeah. So we sponsor the educational forums during the fly-in, so we have an information table in front of Central Florida Aerospace Academy where the forums are. We have a booth in the D-Hangar, and we also help out with Sun and Fun's youth tours because they are the future. Um, and so we're in the Piedmont hangar helping out with that, too. And you so were also we're talking about airman certification standards because you were part of that. I did. I did an ACS working group uh, talk on uh, what's going on with airman certification standards, what's coming next with airman certification standards. We did that on Tuesday, Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning. They all blend in. Yeah, it's, it, Sunday, there's no division of days at Sunday Fun. It's just, it's just a, a period of time. And then at the end of it, you're like, that was a week. <laughs> just that week is that week just of my life by. is gone. <laughs> anyway, I gotta head out, guys. But uh, it's always I rarely get to see you guys, know, so, so cool. it's really cool to get to do this. And yeah. I've done a podcast with Bill. I've never met Bill before in person. So hi, Bill. <laughs> so anyway, and it's always good to see Kevin. So um, you guys have a, you. a great night. Have a great Sun and Fun kind of day. Thanks, appreciate it. Yeah, and, bye, uh, We'll see you and, and and the little ones. I'm sure running around Sun and Fun here. Uh, his whole family comes out and enjoys Sun and Fun. Uh, wife's a pilot, and he takes the kids flying. And I think it's the whole family in there. I've, I've seen the pictures on Facebook, and it's just been wonderful. Also, uh, don't forget Polk State College uh, is a great place to go. Uh, if you're into aviation, you just want to find out more about it, they'll talk, talk to you. You know, no, no pressure there. The, they want to discuss aviation and pass along uh, the passion. Uh, getting back to uh, uh, Bill English here. Well, uh, about there, Carl. If you don't mind, I'm going to flee the scene oh, and, too. And he here, also you know? Air Fleet. He's, he's out. Yeah. Texas Air Fleet. Uh, well, actually, any any, air, any know, websites you want to promote before you head out? Uh, well, you know, you can find me on my Facebook page, and uh, I got a. Uh, I guess I got a, uh, a website, TexasAirFleet.com. The uh, and you can follow me there. Follow me on Facebook. It's probably the best way to follow the shenanigans and activities I get into. Uh, I uh, got a YouTube channel out there also, and I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> I think I got a millennial that knows it, but I don't. But you know, I can't keep up with that. Just type but, your name, and I'm sure we'll find it. Uh, it's out there somewhere. And I've, on that Facebook, I've built an engine or two, and uh, done some Young Eagle flights, and I've done a variety of different things that uh, uh, people seem to find interesting. So if it's aviation, I think I did a hot section tear down on some Pratt and Whitney 545s, and wow. some of that stuff is uh, pretty entertaining. I think that a lot of people seem to like it. Uh, That's cool. But at the moment, I'm going to go over and visit with a young man named Shane Miller f with the Blue Angels, who's a maintenance technician, who claims that I was responsible for him going out on his own to get his A&P license. That's awesome. And I'm really proud to do to uh, really proud of that. So they're having a little shindig around the corner, and he's invited me to come over and visit with him for a bit. Awesome. So I don't mean to flee the scene and uh, leave no, you guys no. hanging there, but. Uh, Duty calls. Well, we're proud to have you here, and, and thanks for all you do, by the way, in aviation. Take care, I really Kevin. appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Great Thank you so much. Wonderful evening. Well, Bill, back to drones. I oh. mean, uh, it's uh, okay. one of the things that, and, and the NTSB, I think we left off on your, your go your go bag, but uh, yeah. uh, one of the reasons we wanted to get you up here is to talk a little bit about the drone program there, et cetera. Uh, what was interesting is uh, I, I've kind of followed you as far as what you've been doing. You've been in aviation. Uh, you love aviation. You love teaching. Uh, and then you moved over to these drones, and you start, started talking about your triple three. Sure. And, and I'm like, well, 
gosh, is he? It was funny because honestly, when it, when you first told me that, I said, "Is he really getting into this?" And uh, he he really got into it. <laughs> he he I, he, uh, he started uh, in the triple three again. I guess we should explain what that is yeah, first. Yeah, we go. Yeah, we'll go. We'll rewind the beginning. So this is a good segue. You say, well, what's in my go bag? Well, now. There's a drone in my go bag. Isn't that cool? And, and we're gonna, that's the end of the story. So we get there. I was not, you know, oh, I forgot who it was talking here about, you know, RC airplanes. A lot of people started out with RC when they were kids. Yeah. I, I did not. I started out in aviation young, but not RC, right? I started flying regular airplanes when I was 19, but oh, wow. didn't, didn't know anything about RC. Years went by with the board. And back probably a good 10 years ago, there was an accident with a border protection drone. We got involved. I had to take over that program when the person who was doing it got promoted. They dumped it in my lap. That was it. Now I had to learn about drones. Just, all right, well, I'm an investigator. That's what I do. I learn about stuff. Um, start figuring these things out. They're part of the aviation system now, new part of the universe. And while doing that, trying to figure out what we're going to do with drone accidents, I figured out, well, this is something that we can actually use to help our accident investigations. We, we map wreckage. Uh, document the scene. We can now do this with aerial photography, like we've always done, in a much better way. Cheaper, faster, better. And that's where we are now. Uh, I said to somebody about a year or so ago, we went through that triple three process, which was the first approval that the FAA did back in the end of 2012. I think it was 2013. It was an exemption process to get people flying with small drones. And then slowly moved through from there, got a government flight program going. And now I spend far more time flying drones over accident scenes and derailments than I do investigating drone accidents. There just there really aren't any drone accidents. Interesting, yeah. interesting, you know. And, and one of the things that people come up with is uh, every time we talk about drones is well they're going to get in the way of airliners. We're going to have them crashing into airliners. You know, the last thing I you know I hit with an airliner was a was a bird. You know, not not a drone. That's for sure. And but it's a big thud. Oh yeah. So have we had any instances of? Drones hitting aircraft. No, we have no. not. There are no confirmed collisions between a manned aircraft and what you'd call a modern drone. There's a couple at you know air shows with old school RC type airplanes. Couple of those in, right. the world. in the world. But what you'd call a modern drone, you think of a quadcopter or something mm-hmm. like that. None that have been confirmed. So it's working. All of what the FAA is doing right now, certification standards, etc. It's oh, yeah, got some wood around here to knock on. Knock on my head here. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's working so far. Uh, it, there aren't any collisions. Nobody's been seriously hurt. So the safety record, it's good. Now, that doesn't mean you sit back and rest and say, oh, well, everything's all cool, mm-hmm. right? Because airline safety is pretty good, too. But we don't sit back and say, oh, well, everything's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the FAA has made some... Some really good strides with education and and just really you know limiting that you know the area and everything that building that safety box. So so far so good. But again, that doesn't mean real you relax. You know, I would like yeah. to hear some more kind of about how you're using these drones or the one that's in your go bag. Yeah, yeah. to to help investigate these accidents. Whereas you talked about aerial photography. Yep. Certainly, I imagine before you had to contract with the sheriff's department or something like that. Kind of talk about the differences and how it's helping out. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd like to tell this. This is a drones for good story, right? We hear too much crazy stuff in the media. Here's some application that, that we're using to, to help aviation safety. So in the old days, sure, we could get maybe a sheriff's helicopter or you know an airplane to do some aerial photography. And it was okay. I and mean, it's great. Aerial photography is good. What we're doing now with the drone, we're able to go up over an accident scene 
and take high-res photos. Uh, we can duplicate the flight of the airplane. Maybe, it's, maybe he's low on approach. I can duplicate his flight path, run a video, see just what that looked like. We can get in real close, get high-res photos of damaged areas that are in hard-to-access um, areas, down in a, down in a river, um, river basin or something like that that's hard to climb to, that sort of thing. I can get um, photos there. And then some other technology that's not really the drone but fits in well with it, we'll go in and photograph a grid. I'll go back and forth mowing the lawn, they call it. Take dozens if not hundreds of photographs um, that are GPS tagged of the whole area and then using software afterwards can stitch that all together. So now I've got not just a wreckage diagram that's you know a sharp pencil on some graph paper, but now a great big GPS referenced picture that just pops open in Google Earth and the investigator can sit there at his leisure and take measurements um, right there on his desktop without endangering anybody, far more accurate and, and quicker than we ever could before. Do you find yourself yeah. taking this uh, this drone out on a lot of the accidents, or does it depend on the nature of the accident? It does depend on the nature, but we've done some uh, pretty good stuff. I've mapped out a 34-acre uh, area that was an, an in-flight breakup on a, on a turboprop. Just did a, um, uh, a train derailment, a, a fuel you know tanker car uh, train derailment, you know, where, again, things were down in, this, uh, in a river valley, so worked out pretty good. We're still new at it. You know, this is still growing. So I've got, you know, maybe 15 or 20 cases. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it can keep you pretty busy. Uh, how big's your uh, your drone department, Bill? <laughs> yeah, Bill. Bill would be pretty much the drone department. But yeah, we're you know I think we're gonna we're gonna grow. We're gonna probably use some uh, you know external providers and everything like that. But it's an, it's a great new tool, 21st century tool. It really sounds like it, absolutely, and I think you're going to get a lot of a lot of helpful use out of it. Certainly, as you go on, uh, I guess you know, I'm pretty sure we have a lot of uh, you know drone geeks listening to the podcast oh, or yeah. up and coming drone geeks. Can you tell us a little bit about your specific equipment? Uh, yeah, we're just using off the shelf uh, DJI quadcopters. We've got a uh, the DJI Inspire and uh, Inspire. Phantom Four Pro that uh, very common. A lot of people use those. Easy to use. So that doesn't sound as fancy really as as government contract as I think most of us would think. No, no, no. we're uh, we <laughs> believe it or not, we're trying to watch out for the taxpayers' yeah. money. Yeah. What Whoa, a, they're all shocked. Oh Look at that. Gosh, it's really? <laughs> they all just <laughs> fell right over. Yeah. It's crazy. So what's uh, next? I mean, uh, are you gonna have a Another person maybe in this yeah, department? I, I don't know. I, eventually, who knows? I don't like to predict, but maybe this will just become a routine method that, uh, that we use in accident investigations. Police departments are doing it a lot now yeah. with traffic accidents, so it'll be probably just as routine as that. So I'd just like to you know, put that out there for you know, those kids, young people that are getting involved in aviation. Maybe this is the only way they can, can afford to get started in aviation. Yeah, yeah, you know what? There's a path. You can do something really good with that, getting into aviation even that way. And from your experience, have you met people that are in the commercial world that help or are looking to help the NTSB? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah very I'm, many. Uh, yeah. A lot of people are doing some great stuff with this. Are they? Yep. Oh, terrific. Well, gosh, uh, uh, you mentioned careers, by the way. Let, can we talk a little bit about that as far as the NTSB is concerned? I'm shocked, Cause, Carl. Because I'm talking about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was my next question, actually. <laughs> the, I know you love your job and, yeah. and you're passionate about it, but uh, you know, you're, you're getting a little long in the tooth. At some point, you're going to be <laughs> We're back gonna to be the age. You're going to be retiring. So, <laughs> how, much, how about some of those, those younger folks that want to come into the NTSB that are interested in jobs? How should they prepare? I mean, you have some amazing degrees in your background. Well, uh, you know, the board's, it's a very, very tiny mm -hmm. agency. Um, 
And what I would encourage anybody that's in, uh, interested in investigations, it really doesn't doesn't matter so much to you focus on that track. But you know, mm-hmm. whatever you do, be a good one. You know, you can you can come to the board and be uh, you know an operations investigator. You could you might be a systems investigator, but make sure that you know you really master your subject. Whatever it is you love, you know, be be good at it. And and that's probably going to be the best path that would take you to something like that. Really understand how how whatever it is that's that's your part of aviation works. You know? Interesting, interesting. Well, can you hang out for a minute? Because we have two people here that are, are really interesting that tie into your job. Oh, okay. So, so I'd love to have All you right. stay here for a little while and talk a little bit more about drones, et cetera. Is there anything okay. else you want to mention about drones before we move on to some uh, other things? That- not, well, I, I'll answer any questions you want. I mean, good. there's a lot of good stuff here at uh, Sun and Fun for people to see. Uh, AOPA has a drone cage. There's a little drone zone. A lot of good stuff uh, Awesome. For people to look at here. Awesome. Uh, I know. I'm going to put in a plug. It's an NTSB thing, not a drone thing, but I'll put in a plug for tomorrow. Uh, one of our board members, Earl Wainer, is here. Oh, really? Uh, giving a presentation over in the forums. It's on uh, loss of control. Mm-hmm. Um, we're against it. Uh, okay, <laughs> so, good. Uh, yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah. Other, other than that, if you want to put that more, out there. Yeah, if you want any more details, yeah. you're going to have to go see Earl. Yeah, you know, we, we totally went to the drone route and, and didn't talk about general aviation and flying. And, and uh, I know you're here with the NTSB, but uh, they're, they're the people you don't want to have to call. Uh, but I will say one thing, that they do a bang-up job. And it's, a, it's nice to have an organization that investigates and is outside other organizations and truly has an unbiased opinion in it. Uh, and you're just out there looking at the facts and trying to figure out what happened, right? That's exactly right. That's awesome. You know, interestingly enough, there's certain things that come into the NTSB investigations, You, especially on the airline side. And uh, you interview everybody, right? The pilots, the dispatchers. You also pull tapes in air traffic control. Yep. So interestingly enough, on the deck here, we are are joined by two really, uh, a a friend of mine uh, for years, uh, the actual uh, creator of LiveATC.net, Dave Pascoe. Welcome to the deck, Dave. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, we also are are joined by uh, somebody who's started a new podcast, but also an unnamed airline we're going to talk about is uh, Michael Carrolls. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very uh, much for inviting me. And you have some experience in dispatching. I I do. And working with the uh, NTSB, I'm sure, uh, in the past uh, and and in training, et cetera. Yes, in training. Thankfully, I've never been at an airline with a major aviation accident with uh, having to use the NTSB. I've never had to pick up the phone to call the NTSB. Uh, I do send pages that I know go to the NTSB, so I guess um, we can say that we, uh, I have, but they've never called me back. How about that? And they, <laughs> They've never <laughs> called them back, <laughs> and I wanted to talk to you about that. Why is that? Uh, but before we get into that, I'd, I'd love to know a new, about this new podcast that you started. So let's talk a little bit about that, and then we'll get into some of these other things. So it's called the Flying in Life podcast. Um, it's a podcast about uh, flying. Um, I got back into general aviation flying. Uh, I talk about both GA and uh, Part 121 flying, um, but I don't look at it from like a pilot perspective, all that. But I look at it from the operational control uh, perspective. Um, the actual men behind the curtains that are pulling the levers, actually keeping the airline hopefully on track and running. Um, so I talk about talk about that part of the operation, um, what what a dispatcher does, what a dispatcher's thinking, um, and, and kind of bring in stories that I've gone through in my career to uh to kind of share and things like that 
Interesting. I have, a, I have a bone to pick with all my dispatchers. You know, I'm just kidding. We like, have a bone to we, pick with uh, all of our uh, pilots, pilots, too. <laughs> 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 Especially the so, ones that commute from Florida to New York with uh, two hours before their flight departure time. And uh, no, who would ever do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so you actually have to hustle to, if someone doesn't show up, find pilots, crews, et cetera. Yeah, I, I, in, my, in my part, I'm kind of a specialized part of our dispatch offices. Um, I work in our ops management, and I work with uh, an aircraft rotter who tracks all the airplanes' maintenance. I um, work with a crew tracker, which is uh, in charge of working on uh, trying to find where the pilots are, flying where the flight attendants are. If I want to do... Uh, set up a ferry flight because we have another airplane broke somewhere else and I need to move an airplane there. I tell them, hey, I'm building this flight. Go find me some people uh, to fly it. And so they, they, they work on that. So And then we work with our duty director and then with the dispatchers who are actually working with the individual flights. So my job's pretty much information management and uh, decision making. So this is a, a general aviation crowd here that we're talking to, and of course on the podcast, there's a lot of things that we can glean from from the dispatcher's per- perspective because we are our own dispatchers, aren't we? When we fly airplanes, and uh, I'm sure you have a lot of experience looking at weather, etc., and and helping in that that decision making process. We're by ourselves. What is what is the benefit of having that dispatcher, and what type of advice can you give to say a GA pilot that's you know looking at going on a, a flight or a mission, et cetera? Um, that's a great question. Um, I do dispatch my own flights. I, I look at everything as if it was a 121 op if I was going somewhere. I actually did that with a, a good friend of mine. We went, we, uh, uh, Dr. Steph from the Airline Pilot Guy Show, we met down in the Atlanta area, and she was considering if she needed enough fuel or not but that to go back, if they, she needed to get gas or didn't. And I'm like, well, how much gas do you have? What's well, your burn per hour? And then we kind of just stepped it calculated down and she's like oh you have enough gas to give back but uh you don't have much for a reserve and so you kind of break everything down like that um for to me uh, i really wish i could call up to the office sometimes and um go and say hey look i'm, I'm flying here what do you guys see or things like that uh i know from your perspective from the airline perspective uh, the dispatcher is your go-to person while you're flying you have your a cars box right there uh, you're getting turbulence and you don't know about it. You send us a message. You you see thunder and lightning ahead, but you don't know anything about it or its coverage. You just see it out there. You start seeing little blips on your radar. You're gonna you're gonna send us a message to ask. Um, so what a GA pilot can do is really what a, a dispatcher does is really sit down and pre-flight your aircraft. Um, a dispatcher does all the pre-flight work for the pilot. You, you guys show up at the gate. You see our paperwork. You see our work. Yeah. Um, it, at my previous airline, before I am now, we were taught that the pilots were our customers and the customers on the airplane were the pilot's customers. So they were our number one customer was the pilot. So we always tried to make sure that, you know, not only they were happy, but they were our number one service. So happy with our service. So I'm always enjoyed that we have a good relationship with our pilots. They can, we can ask us, question us back and forth and um, a dispatcher does have operational control, and we can say, hey, this isn't safe anymore, and I want you to land here. Or you're holding for Kennedy, and you're not going to get in. We'd like you to divert to here. Yes, I understand it's not your named alternate, but we just diverted five other airplanes to LaGuardia. I need you to go to Philly because you'll be number one at Philly. Interesting. You know, one of the things that I've noticed is every so often my dispatcher sends me right through a thunderstorm. No, worse, right through the center of a hurricane. <laughs> I've had them do that. Now, what's what's going through their minds when they're 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 doing that? I'm I'm putting you on the spot. I, I, no, I, no, I'll, I'll I, answer this. 
a, a lot of the times we are we put have to put our pilots through the weather. We know it's dumb. We know we can't do it, but the FAA has a required route out for us. And it says if you're flying from point A to point B, you need to be on this route for this reason. It's it's FAA required route. And if we don't put you on that route originally for the flight plan, you're going to get rerouted to that route. And basically what the FAA is trying to do and the ATC uh, through the command center are trying to do, all the dispatchers say you got a line of thunderstorms from southern Minnesota down to Texas, you know, just like the Texas panhandle. Okay, well, all of the dispatchers are going to put all their flights, transcons, either over Gopher or just south over Dallas. We're just going to cut the corner. That's what we're all going to do. But now you have every single transcon now going over Gopher and going over down over Dallas, and the, it, those controllers can't handle it because now you just overloaded that sector, which is a big problem for the FAA. Interesting. You know, one of the things that, that I like to talk about is safety. And uh, from your perspective, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the, somebody else keep quiet for a minute here, uh, it, as far as accidents are concerned and, and safety is concerned, uh, what type of breakdowns are there that you may see that cause a, a maybe a loss in the safety that you want or that have caused accidents in the past maybe you have experience with? And what, what are the most common ones out there? Maybe you've been involved in some. I, I, I see uh, with the dispatcher, I see it's a, a lack of communication. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're trying to communicate up to the crew. Sometimes uh, we're trying to get information from the crew so we can better inform the crew. But we need we, like... You know, you start holding somewhere and you need to know what their fuel is, you know, but they can't give you, so you can't give them accurate burn information or anything like that. Um, I tell this story, I've told this story on my podcast before, but um, I was working a flight, this is when I first started as a dispatcher at the Majors, uh, Minneapolis to Rochester, Minnesota, very small flight, um, it was a DC-9, and it was snowing that night, it's winter in Minnesota, it's, it's going to snow, so the crew gets down there. And I get an updated field condition report from the crew. And that, uh, this gives them the runway surface conditions and all of that. Well, the, the MU readings, the, the instrument that measures the surface friction of the runway, was 0 .01 huh. just legal. It was, it was .21 was the, was the rollout MU reading. I sent it up the crew. I'm like, hey, here's the MU readings, da-da-da-da-da. Give me a call on the radio so we can discuss this. And they call us, call me on the radio. I'm like, hey, guys, I just sent you the movie reading. So, yep, we got it. He, the captain goes, it looks like we're just good. I'm like, yeah, you're just good. I'd like you to come back to Minneapolis where the MU readings are this. We can bust the people down to Rochester tonight. And so we turn them back. That next day, that same captain was flying that same flight. He asked if I was working the night before. I'm like, yep, sir, that was me. But don't worry, everything's great tonight. You're going to get in. He goes... It wasn't until I put my head on my pillow in my bed tonight that I realized why you turned us around to come back to Minneapolis, and I would just want to thank you. So that's to me, that's what operational control is. That's what being a dispatcher is, is to look at everything, and you have that outside, outside set of eyes looking as well. And I have, that's a testament to what a dispatcher does, that's for sure, because uh, they have kept us out of trouble quite a bit. And uh, not only that, you just don't know what's going on down the line, way down the line. And uh, and that's another thing you do. It's like, hey, by the way, there's you know thunderstorms that have 
come over the field and you need to go somewhere else. So great story. That, that was a terrific story. One of the things that I'm sure you do in your training is a lot of training as to other accidents that you've seen in the past uh, within you know the dispatcher's training. And, and I want to get into that as a career too, career field. But one, what have they told you has been part of a probable cause as, as far as accidents are concerned through, through the dispatcher and what to, you've, have you learned from those things? There was one that I remember. I don't remember how recently it was, but it, the dispatcher was, um, was cited as a probable cause. And I, I just can't recall right off the top of my head what the accident was, but we have talked about it before in our recurrent classes and things like that. Um, you know, sending bad information, sending bad uh, burn numbers up, um, sending your flight to an airport that's NOTAM closed. Um, you, you missed a NOTAM. You know, it's all of a sudden, um, you know, you release the flight, it, it's fine, and you're going to get in there, but now when... You, the flight takes some delay for 30 minutes and now the run long runway is closed and now you don't have landing weight to land there and oh it's look it's vfr and now you don't have an alternate and you don't have a lot of gas because now your company is pressuring you to lower your fuel loads you, you start to see those holes line up and you, that could easily go right back to the the person who planned the flight so I guess from uh, I'm sure that Bill, you've seen a few of these uh, instances with, uh, and a dispatcher may have been part of probable cause there. But uh, but I'm sure that it's a contributing factor in, in some of these accidents and instances. Is there anything you can recall where that was the case as far as uh, dispatch and uh, like he said with communications? Yeah, one thing I wanted to ask you, Mike. I've seen a couple um, not not terrible accidents, but things like like a turbulence encounter where passengers get hurt or flight attendants get hurt. And a lot of times there's a little bit of a maybe a disconnect between, the, so, you know, some of them are using this packaged weather services and then you're the human eye, you know, that's, that's looking at that, that package and everything. What kind of, is there some, you know, give and take there, a little push and pull between, you know, the human and the, the prepackaged stuff? Um, we, my airline is very good. And I, I sometimes think that our dispatchers go too far on the conservative when it comes to turbulence and turbulence avoidance, um, you, I, I'll non-rev on another airline, and, like, we'll bounce around, we'll buck around the seat a little bit, and I'm, like, look up, and I'm like, oh, look, the seatbelt light, it's, uh, it's still off. This is strange. You know, my <laughs> airline, we hit one bump, and, oh, light's on, and we're down for an hour. Um, so they, uh, they, the dispatcher also does that. I mean, uh, I think you know this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Uh, uh, turbulence encounter is usually um, measured by flight attendant injuries. That's that's very common. Flight yeah. attendant injuries and in, in turbulence. Yep. And, so, we, and we obviously talk about that quite a bit. Is uh, you know get them to sit down. I mean, I, I do the same thing. I have them sit down right away. Uh, the other thing too, I guess you, you sometimes argue with is severe turbulence. Let's let's go there because you know we cannot fly. And you're laughing. We we cannot fly into severe turbulence. And you see a forecast for severe turbulence. And I've I've seen us dispatch through it quite often. So so what what goes through the the dispatcher's mind, or is that possibly an oversight there? My guess would be an oversight. My uh our, our airline's policy is we can't put you through severe uh, turbulence or icing, uh, known severe turbulence or forecasted severe turbulence. And if you have uh, severe icing, um, I remember this uh, a couple years ago going into Seattle, one of the arrivals, they started reporting severe icing, which the definition of severe icing is the, the anti-ice or de-ice on the aircraft can't keep up. So now you have your heated wing, your heated windshields are collecting ice. 
Well, once we knew that, we had to reroute all of our rest of our aircraft going into Seattle away from that fix to another fix to make sure that we did that. Um, severe turbulence-wise and turbulence-wise, like we are required to uh, go around it. Um, my airline's very big on mountain waves as well. We have uh, our, we still have our own meteorology department in house, um, so uh, we have uh, um, our meteorology department makes basically our own sigmets for our own company. So those come out, those get set up. We do our own upper air charts. Uh, the weather and the turbulence forecasting is very uh, very pushed hard and nailed into our heads uh, very early as dispatchers where I work. And uh, we should look at those, too, as GA pilots. I mean, uh, turbulence can, can really uh, be a problem going through certain weather and uh, structural failure. That's an issue, too. I mean, that's something we always have to think about. Well, gosh, this has been awesome. And, and uh, I'd like you to hang out and we'll talk some more because there's another part of this equation we're going to get into. But, uh, and that's actually communications. And, uh, but, oh, by the way, where's your website? I, I didn't mention uh, My website is flyinginlife.com. I'm on Twitter at Flying in Life, and then you can search in the iTunes and normal podcast places for just the Flying in Life podcast. We're going to hear more of these on Flying in Life, these situations, dispatching, and yeah, I, I talk about the operational control things. Um, you know, it's Flying in Life, so there will be um, I'm kind of gearing it towards there's some more GA stuff with what I do with my personal planning. Um, this week down here at Sun and Fun, I'm doing an episode every day. I'm going through and doing interviews and producing a Sun and Fun episode uh, every day. And then I also am doing, um, but you also hear stories like this, uh, operational issues. Um, I'm, my email is out there. I always say it all the time. If people have any questions, all that, anything they want to know about the operation side, I really like to answer them. And really, you know, that's where I try to hopefully get a lot of my content from. Well, gosh, we'd love to have you back on the podcast, too, to talk about what we can learn from an airline dispatcher when we're self-dispatching as general aviation pilots. I'd love to see you come back on the podcast sometime. That'd be, that'd be great. That's awesome. Well, joining us on the deck is, is Pilot Jim G. Is that how we're going, your call sign now? Yeah, sure. Okay, that good. sounds good. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you've been involved in quite a few podcasts yourself and also involved in managing an airport. And mm -hmm. uh, so tell us uh, quickly uh, what your, your call sign is, I guess, on the Internet. At Pilot Jim G on Twitter. Okay, Pilot <coughs> Jim G. And what is the airport? Uh, it's a friendly airport. I know that. We have a couple of friendly airports, <laughs> but uh, I served, I was sentenced to serve on the board <laughs> at my local airport for two years. That's Brandywine Airport in Westchester, Pennsylvania, uh, just west of one of the friendliest airports around, as we've been saying on one of the uh, commercials that's been running here on the radio station this week. Well, it's wonderful to have you on here, and uh, you've also been on a few other podcasts every so often. I do help out with the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast. I have been helping them with, with them for a number of years, and you hear me sometimes on the dailies and sometimes as a guest host. How about here at the show? What are they doing here, and how are you helping? Um, I'm, I'm helping at the show. Uh, I'm not so much with Uncontrolled Airspace this oh, year. Yeah. They've been busy, and I've been busy, so we've been crossing like, uh, what are they, what are they yeah, saying? Yeah. Ships, ships, ships in the ships night. night. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> This year I've had a good time. I helped launch a uh, uh, product launch for some of my friends who work at Evolution Aircraft or uh -huh. Evolution Aircraft. And these folks make um, trikes, weight shift control uh, aircraft, delta wing trikes. And they launched a new sort of a, sort of a backcountry trike, if you will. It's got big tundra tires. It has no body shell like some of the ones you see with plastic or uh, fiberglass shells. This one has no shells, just frames, just a frame, B 
big shocks, big tires. And the idea is to take this trike into rough terrain or backcountry strips. And I think they're looking to develop a market for this overseas where uh, you know, our normal fixed-wing airplanes are very, very expensive compared to uh, the cost of operating them here. So people look to light sport aircraft, to ultralights, and, th and, and things like this. So that was pretty exciting to help them out. I've also been working in the hospitality area, helping, which is just part of Sun and Fun. We try to make people feel welcome. We try to help them find their way around the grounds. And I've been working in an area of preferred air show seating, where for a few extra dollars to Sun and Fun, we get you up front, get you a chair, get you some water, get you a, a private restroom, all kinds of nice amenities. And that's kind of what we do for Sun and Fun. Sun, and did you talk about the Sun and Fun mission at all? Notice how I'm well, slipping that in. Go, go for it. Uh, we're, trying to, we're trying to get the word out to everyone that Sun and Fun is not just a fly-in, but Sun and Fun is an organization that supports educational programs. And you guys were talking about the after-school program here at the high school um, earlier. And so all of these things that we do, we sell water, we sell preferred seating, whatever we do raises money for educational programs. So we, we just want everybody here to know that Sun and Fun is a great fly-in, it's a great time, but all of these events have a mission. They do. I do. So there, I got the commercial in. Speaking of a mission, there's someone here on the deck that has uh, a mission. That's uh, liveatc.net, and uh, Dave Pasco has has done an amazing thing with he what has. he's done here. And, and he's what's been and, cool. and he's been a great friend to to Sun and, and Fun Radio all he has. throughout. And and we really appreciate all he's done for his sponsorship here on the deck and the sponsorship of of the of the feed. You can kind of explain a little bit as to what you do with uh, Live ATC here on the deck. Uh, but what what I'd love to do, we have an air, airline dispatcher in the NTSB here uh, and talk a little bit about uh, the relationship you have there. I think if we can talk about that, uh, that'd be terrific. But first of all, what what is uh, LiveATC.net doing here at Sun and Fun? Live ATC broadcasts all the ATC channels that are related to the fly-in. So that's what we came to do kind of in the beginning. But uh, that came after the radio, ship, uh, the radio station sponsorship. So uh, Dave Schalbetter approached me, I think it was 2009 or 2010, and we began discussions. They wanted to get onto the Internet because previously they were just on 15, 10 a.m. and they had a grand reach of about a mile. <laughs> so it was great for people camping. They listened on the AM radio, but... Uh, this really started you know, tying in with trying to broaden the reach of uh, Sun and Fun. And this was even before uh, they were doing a lot more with these additional uh, educational ed uh, programs. So, uh, so it really kind of came together over the la really the last um, seven years. And we've been broadcasting every year from 2010 to today on the Internet. And we broadcast 365 days a year. So all, all the programs, all the interviews, a lot of the stuff that happens this week people can listen to all year round. Yeah, as, as the Internet has become very popular for, uh, for sending audio across the world and people are carrying AM tra uh, receivers in their pockets less and less. <laughs> a lot less and less. <laughs> there you go. Live the Live ATC-sponsored uh, stream has become very important for getting uh, people who are not here at the show informed about what we're doing. And it's been fantastic for the people who can't make it, who occasionally make it, but for whatever reason can't make it any particular year, and they just they really feel like they're a part of it by uh, just tuning in. But to tune in, they can go on the Internet, of course, at liveatc.net slash SNF. Right. Uh, but there's other ways they can. They can actually download apps, and there's right. iTunes and also in the Google Play. 
Yeah, so there's the live ATC app. There's also the Sun and Fun Find It app, which is uh, was put out again this year from a local company, and we've integrated the uh, the streams into that app. So anybody who's at the show can use that to uh, tune in the Sun and Fun Radio and a few of the ATC channels. We don't have all of them in there, but we have the the main ones. And then the live ATC apps are uh, on the uh, uh, Apple Store and also on Android and Windows Phone. LiveATC.net is uh, not only helping us as hobbyists. Uh, it also helps uh, in investigations, and that's something else that you've gone towards. In the beginning, it was just like, oh, this is cool, listening to our air traffic control towers and then uh, in route uh, and departures, arrivals. Uh, but there's an even more important aspect of Live ATC is uh, you actually record our communications and are able to work with investigations at airlines. I'm curious, uh, has have you worked with like the NTSB and the FAA uh, or just specifically with airlines on your investigation side? Uh, all of the above. We've uh, worked with the NTSB a couple of times. We've worked with the Canadian equivalent of the NTSB a couple of times. We were able to uh, provide some audio tapes in Canada, for example, that unraveled a, a dis basically a dispute. It wasn't an accident, but there was a deviation that occurred, and uh, their equipment just happened to have malfunctioned that day. But we had the uh, the recordings, and it really was kind of you know gratifying that we could actually assist them and have them get to the truth. Because in the end, you know, as as we're all aviators here, the the important thing is getting to the truth. You know, it might make somebody uncomfortable that it was their fault. Uh, you know, I'm talking about cases where there's just a deviation or something happened, not an accident particularly, but it's all about learning. And if we can get to how the mistake was made, rectify uh, that mistake in the future, then we make the skies a lot safer. I like that. And, and you know, at the NTSB, uh, Bill, have you ever had interaction with uh, Live ATC? Ever used it as a tool uh, in your, any investigation? Oh, Dave thinks he's worked with us a little bit. He, he doesn't even know. Yeah, we download <laughs> stuff. Like that. that's, the, that's the first place you go to cheat. I mean, we go get the real FAA tapes later on, but yeah, it's easy to hit liveatc.net, download, and listen real quick. Yeah, but, you're uh, not going to send us a bill for that, are you? No, no. I actually knew, but I didn't want to. Right. Well, that's a, a true testament to, to liveatc.net. It's amazing. You guys are everywhere. And, and we'll talk a little bit about equipment, but I'm curious from our dispatcher, have you have you ever had a, a chance to or have you had a need to look into liveatc.net? And also, I know we have communication frequencies uh, between the dispatch and the, the airlines, et cetera. I'm not sure if those, I know there's one, two, three, four, five, pilot to pilot, 1215. Uh, you monitor those, I'm assuming. Yeah, we cover some company frequencies that are, uh, you know, kind of you know, air to ground company frequencies, but they're few and far between, and they're typically at uh, larger airports where we already have a high receiver density. Uh, but they're typically not dedicated receivers, so they might scan like 10 company frequencies between different airlines. So the chance of actually picking up any particular, and they're sometimes pretty busy because we also mix in things like maintenance frequencies on the ground, and they're not a reliable place to really get something, but you might get lucky. Um, yes, and this is the short answer. Um, I've, I've used the archives when we had something come up and we wanted to know more information. So I'm like, well, I'm gonna just go liveatc.net, pull the archive and we'll see what really happened. And this was just on the fly in, in the office we did that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had a, uh, a, one of my aircraft was doing a photo shoot and I need to manage times and while well, they were doing touch and goes. So every time they touched, an on time got sent to us and I needed to just kind of monitor to see what was the real on time. So I knew that they were, they were done. So 
they were up there. I had uh, uh, the dispatcher was working the flight. I was sitting up uh, at my desk listening to liveatc.net, um, just monitoring and listening to the flight the whole time. Just because uh, it was a it was a VF, it was a it was a VFR flight for a uh, thing, and it was there wasn't an IFR flight plan. It was just this large jet doing VFR uh, a VFR flight. So I was just listening to uh, they were in a class D t- uh, airspace. So I was just listening to tower frequency. Interesting. Wow. And so it's a tool that everybody can use, GA pilots, et cetera. But uh, I, I'd we, love to hear about... We've we got to remember that when we're flying, liveatc.net is listening. They <laughs> are. Everybody's listening. And, and you, you'll, you'll hear that, too. In um, there was that, uh, that famous clip uh, where uh, a Delta pilot didn't want to take off because the Trump plane was about to depart. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about this. And then one of the pilots said, oh, this is going to be on the Internet later. <laughs> and and what do you know? It it was like literally before they got on the ground because you know people are um, listening to your service and it's great and we're using it. I, I like to it, think we we paved the way for ADSB. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> you know, everybody's watching there too. You know, it's, it's funny. Handy, handy when you're an airline passenger too. You can listen to the app in the back and see if they're if people like Carl are lying to you about why you're being delayed. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna have delay vectors. We actually somebody it. blew we, a we tire. A bit of that too. <laughs> we, we get these people sometimes that are just completely nonplussed. I mean, they're a go around, right? Perfectly normal maneuver. Nothing wrong with a go around. And we get people who are, they get home and it's like, I want to know why that go around happened. You know that's a nor- they don't know it's a normal maneuver because it's pretty shocking. It's not it's a normal maneuver, but it doesn't happen every day. Oh so. yeah, yeah. It doesn't actually may just happen once every few years too. Right, exactly. You know, some people go many years uh, before it happens, but it's just a regular maneuver. You just you just go yeah. up. As pi- pilots up. know it, but passengers don't right. really know that that's a normal maneuver. That's for sure. That's for sure. You know, one of the things that's interesting about the frequencies and all, things have changed now over the years with live ATC, and the ability to be able to monitor more frequencies has increased. Uh, so what have, what have you done? What innovations are there? What's next uh, for a live ATC? Well, we took a, uh, we, you know, tend to, I'm a technologist, so I mean, I followed uh, what's going on. I've got a lot of background in radio, and uh, what's happened is radio's gotten smaller. So uh, they've gotten, in fact, miniature. So our ability to put a receiving station somewhere has uh, really increased. You know, it used to be that we'd have a stack of analog radios, and uh, that doesn't take up a whole lot of space, but it's a little more complicated setup, and uh, it's a little more heavy lifting. But now, uh, one of our listening stations that covers the entire aviation band can basically fit in a couple little Raspberry Pi computers with a bunch of little things one inch by one inch square that look like uh, thumb drives. So that in an antenna and some software uh, gives us basically everything we would need. So the key is the finding good locations, uh, either near an airport or on a hill, a uh, place where you can get good reception because you can't really put antennas inside buildings on the first floor or in the, in the basement. Uh, you really need to have a, good, a decent vantage point at least to pick up these signals. Dave, how far away, generally speaking, from a major airport are your antennas? And, um, and is it still yeah. a volunteer base person has it on their in their house? A lot of it, a lot of it is, but we have a lot of uh, equipment that we've deployed, uh, assisted by folks. Russ, is hey. just, Russ is waving his hands over here. <laughs> Russ has a, a, a receiving setup in Oklahoma City, um, but yeah, it's a lot of uh, crowdsource assistance. Uh, there are some places where we actually have uh, what I call commercial installations that are uh, basically, some of them are on the network, some of them are not on the network. They're actually run through a private 
service that we offer uh, to integrators that run systems that uh, people like you use, actually, Mike, uh, dispatchers. So at Kennedy, we've got one of those systems. We've got one at uh, Hartsfield, and we've got one out at uh, Sky Harbor, and uh, we're increasing the numbers of those. And those are typically very close to or embedded in a secure facility inside the airport. Yeah, Dave, you mentioned ADSB, and I know I've seen some of those homemade ADSB receivers. How about some of the new data link, the CPDLC, things like that, which are like the, you know, for people not familiar, the text messages to pilots. Yeah. Is that on channels that are open and readable by people like you? Yeah, the plenty of hobbyists are playing around <laughs> with, you know. And, and Michael's it's all, shaking it's, his head. It's all, <laughs> yeah, it's all using the same, the same equipment. It's, uh, you know, typically just these little what are called software-defined radios. They're little uh, USB dongles. Same thing that the uh, ADSB receiving stations use. Uh, ACARS, you know, it's all out there. Uh, none of that stuff's encrypted. There's never really been a, uh, a mandate to encrypt uh, aviation communications. But uh, one of the issues we run into is uh, in countries where uh, we're not allowed to operate. Uh, there are a few of them, uh, particularly in Europe, uh, where there are a lot where kind of really uh, sticklers about privacy much more than we are here. Um, they, uh, they've basically outlawed it. They've likened uh, airline to ground communications as private communications. And they, and they prosecute offenders, which we would be one of them, uh, under the same laws as the wiretapping laws. Think about that. Which is kind of crazy. These are open transmissions that are just kind of out there. But they've regulated them to be private. So, uh, but in a lot of cases, it's really driven by the air traffic control organizations that really just don't want anybody listening. But they've always been listening. We've just made it more widely available. So it's kind of weird. My jaws on the ground. I'm picking it back up. That's shocking. I had no idea. That's amazing. And that's why you don't have a Heathrow f feed. That's right. Yeah. Well, the UK has been outlawed forever, but there have been some new ones. Uh, Belgium recently, Spain. Uh, in Spain, in fact, it was actually driven by the heavily driven by the air traffic controllers, who are uh, very highly compensated, and it's almost like a like a mafia over there. <laughs> I mean, they're they're just uh, they control everything, and uh, and they go on strike every what two months or something. <laughs> it's a good gig, I guess, if you can get it. But anyway, there are places like that that are that are we just can't we can't do it, and it's not worth to worth it to try to fight that because you know it's really the government who's aiding and abetting the air traffic control organizations and in some cases just the government always had a law and some of those laws actually date back to the 40s back to world war ii so wow you know it'd be really cool to put one of these in and, and there, i'm sure there's a lot of people putting in requests to help out yeah um, there, there are yeah i'm wondering how difficult is it well wait a minute before i ask you that question who owns live atc how mm -hmm. difficult is it russ to put one of these systems in <laughs> well well for me it was really especially easy and and, and dave uh, dave's over there laughing because he knows what i'm about to say um I, i'm from oklahoma city I, I i teach and fly around oklahoma city and i i done a flight with a student one time and we had some very interesting air traffic control communications. And I said, oh, this is this would be great for training. I'll go into liveatc.net and download them. And I did and noticed they weren't there because there was no feed from Oak City Approach. So I clicked. I thought, well, I could. I live pretty close to the airport. Uh, the question was how uh, early it was, how close. I, about, I guess, five miles away from the airport and pretty good line of sight. You know, no hills in the way. It's Oklahoma City. So... Um, to say, well, I could probably help out. I have an attic. <laughs> you know, I know how to put up an antenna. So I clicked the link to send Dave a note or whatever it was. I can help out. What I asked him, what equipment do I need to get? You know, whatever. 
And so he responds really quickly, and he, I guess he, you looked at a map or something to see where I was or something, yeah, right? Yeah, we always look at yeah, the map. Yeah, you look yeah. to see if how much, what kind of coverage I get, and I guess he thought it was okay. So you responded with, uh, well, you know what? <laughs> I've got some equipment here. I'm going to be in town in three weeks so I can drop it off. <laughs> so, <laughs> so across the country, he just happens to come up with, uh, you know, I don't know, an extra bag or something and hand me the equipment I needed. The only things I needed to get, and I don't have any idea if this is a, a normal thing or not, but uh, uh, he asked that I get an antenna, and was that it? The internet was, connection, yeah, I guess. It. Yeah, I think I bought an antenna. I, think I gave you the cable, and uh, yeah, so it's a, cable it's a mixed bag. So, to answer Mike, Michael's question, uh, you asked about the distance before I forget. Yeah. Typically, within ten miles is uh, is a is kind of a good distance. The problem with these frequencies is they're uh, they're low enough in the frequency range that. One of the uh, biggest problems with reception is actually not the s- not getting the signals, but actually noise that masks the signals. Uh, power lines, uh, solar arrays, things like that. They right. are they're basically over the years they've they've crept the noise floor up, and reception is defined by the signal over the noise. So if the noise creeps up and the signal stays the same, the reception sounds you know worse. So, uh, but typically ten miles in, is a general thing. But if somebody's on a hill and they're fifteen miles away. It's no problem, and we can even hear aircraft on the ground at 15 miles. So. Yeah, for for the installation I have, um, it was it was very simple. Let alone it could being provided the equipment from Dave, but I mean it might have taken an hour or something. And I, mean, I, I put an antenna up in the attic, have the uh, the equipment there. I mean it it would all fit in a, like a shoebox really. I mean as these these small Raspberry Pi devices. And there's three of them in there. With that, I think Dave's monitored about ten frequencies that I didn't even know existed for Oak City Approach. You know, so yeah, he we, just kind of started adding them, and and they get really good reception. Approach. I've got uh, now we got Tower, which gets good reception. Ground gets good reception from, you know, the ground control. The airplanes you can't really hear that well because of course they're blocked by buildings and that kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, it was it was fantastic. And I mean, I use it for training, and it was it was really a piece of cake to install. No problems. So do people still use those handhelds? Does, do people here use those handhelds at the airport? I mean, I, I sure. still do, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah people, uh, still, people still use them. And, and there's people that uh, might complain that a particular feed is down. You know, they're out plane spotting, and they're like, what's going on? You know, it's like, well, you know, it's not a – we don't run a subscription service, so right. it's, it's a free service. that We do sell <laughs> the app uh, to fund the development of that, but uh, it is a, it's a free service, and where it's volunteer-supported uh, – you know, there's only so much we could do. I always tell those people, make sure you have a radio. But they don't want to buy a radio because they'd, only, they'd rather spend only a few bucks for an app, but they think it's as good as having a radio. So they, they don't want to spend the $100 for the radio. So, uh, but I tell them, if you want reliability, you have to do that. That's for sure. How about HF? Uh, over the ocean, that type of thing? We do. We cover, uh, we cover all the uh, NAT tracks over the Atlantic. Um, Waters. We uh, yeah, we cover all those all those routes. Uh, HF is a finicky beast. Yes. You know, without going <laughs> deeply into it, it's, it's anybody who's flown across the ocean or listened to these, you know, you'll hear uh, ATC or uh, Gander Radio, which is one of the big stations in Canada that talks uh, to the uh, Atlantic crossing aircraft. Uh, they'll basically say, uh, you know, ch- you know, primary and secondary frequency, and sometimes they'll have to switch them to a totally different Very frequency. Sure, yeah. Uh, that's a long, you know, HF. I know, uh, unfortunately, I know a lot about that, but it's a, it's a very complicated beast. You know, it's interesting down in like Central America, South America, HF actually is a lot better than VHF. I mean, yeah. you can hear it. They have fewer, uh, they have fewer uh, resources uh, for VHF base stations down there, and they're uh, much further spread apart. Whereas, you know, going over the Atlantic, 
there are VHF stations in Greenland and Iceland and uh, and the islands going all the way across, really, and they have spectacular range once you uh, once you enter their service area. So what's next after that? Are we going to go listen to? Uh, well, I guess you can't listen to calls over satellite because that's where we're kind of. <laughs> we did actually, <laughs> we did actually have one of those stations. There was a uh, really enterprising uh, communications hobbyist down in Australia who uh, had a satellite ground station that he put up, and he figured out what transponder the uh, ATC relays were going through. So we actually had these really great feeds. He was pulling the channels apart off the satellite uh, downlink. And uh, we had, and we had these. This was actually many years. It was like at least ten years ago that he had put this up. I think it's still running. Well, uh, speaking of enterprising, uh, we have on the deck uh, joining us is is Mike Harris from the Why We Fly podcast. Welcome. Welcome hey, thank deck. you. Uh, you know, it's actually the sun's starting to go down, so I know we're going to be thrown off the radio here in a little while. But uh, one of the, a big fan of live ATC I know is Mike, and somebody who's living the dream, owns his own aircraft, and is actually here at Sun and Fun doing what most people do at Sun and Fun and how it started. He's camping underneath the wing of his, I think, a tri-pacer out there. Yep, that's right. I have a 1957 Piper tri-pacer. And uh, it's awesome. I, I looked at it. I took some pictures. It's out on the Facebook page, so go check that out. Yeah. Um, how, how's it been out there? I know it's kind of cold. Oh, no. You know, it's cold to you because you're from Florida. It's, uh, oh. it, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's been freezing. It's been great. It's been wonderful. <laughs> no, the only, I've been here since Sunday, and I'm flying home uh, next Sunday. I came home, or I came down here a day early because of the weather, uh, Monday and Tuesday, and I didn't want didn't to get blocked out. Uh, and no, the whole week has been great, even in the tent. Uh, the only the only weather we've had was early, early 6 a.m. What was it? Wednesday morning, we had a thunderstorm come through. So I was, uh, I think it was Wednesday morning. So I was kind of, uh, you know, holding my tent up, uh, you know, in the tent. Of course, wide awake, in the flashing <laughs> lightning. and uh, Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever morning that it was. was. Thursday, oh, yeah. Thursday yeah I remember it well. Yeah. Yes. It, well, the, the, I remember it well, but uh, but the days have gotten all, yeah, I don't know do what that. day today is. Uh, so I don't know. They're, I think they're going to kick us out in a couple of days, which is kind of depressing. But uh, it's been a great week. And uh, other than that, uh, brief storm that that morning. Uh, it's been fine. It's been great. And, uh, and and the cool thing is, since I came in Sunday, for people that don't know, um, vintage camping is is nineteen seventy and early air, earlier airplanes. So the whole field is full of cool old airplanes. And since I came in Sunday night, before a lot of people had gotten here, I'm on I'm got prime parking. I'm on the third row, and row one and two, I think, basically are, are previous award winning airplanes. So, so <laughs> me and my little tri-pacer and my little tin are, are sitting out there with these, you know, polished twin beaches and, and Lockheeds and, and, and old Cessna tail draggers and just these, you know, pristine aircraft. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm all right, hanging out. It's good times. <laughs> That's where I'm going to park next year is over at, over at Vintage. Yeah. Oh. Because I'm, I'm in GAC West and it's just, it's far away. And I'm like, I have a 1963 Musketeer. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm taking my musketeer to vintage next year. Oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah so that's the place to be. You're camping under your wing, too? I am. And you're camping under the wing? Yep, that's right. And Russ is camping under the wing? Yes. And you're actually also? Just camping under a tree. Just camping under a tree? <laughs> And I'm sleeping at home in a bed with, with a flush toilet. I, I feel guilty. How about you? Uh, I feel guilty. I'm in a hotel. In a hotel. <laughs> 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 well, don't no, feel the wimps here, I think. <laughs> don't feel too bad because, uh, you know, when we wake up and, and open our eyes, we're surrounded by airplanes. And, it's, and that's uh, what's really cool is cool. that you're always in the environment. And so when I go back to my tent to do anything or, or just, like I said, getting up and going to 
um, going to bed, you're just constantly surrounded by airplanes and airplane people. Every time, every time I go to my tent for anything, I've almost got to plan an extra 20 or 30 minutes because people will stop and say hello and look at the airplane. And, and that's what's funny, too, because I'm in this little tri-pacer, you know, not a glamorous plane, but people love it. I love it. I've, I've, been <laughs> had, it, I've had it for just over a year, and, and people come by and, oh, I've, I've loved these. You know, this was what I first soloed in, or I'm looking at buying one of these, or I own one of these, or, you know, whatever. They, they love the airplane. So, you know, I'm surrounded, right behind me, there's a whole row of V-tail Bonanzas, you know, and people come by and see my tri-pacer and talk to me all the time and just walk right by, you know, some of these <laughs> others, you know, which is really funny. Um, and that's what that's what the, my buddy that I bought the plane from. That's what he said. His dad had a really nice Bonanza, and they'd go places together with the two planes. And his dad would just be like, "Man, they walk right by my beautiful airplane. Don't leave it and give it a second glance. Come over and talk to you and your piece of junk tripacer. I just can't." <laughs> <believe it. laughs> but that's how it is. It's because it's a, it's a cool airplane. So. It's like a puppy. It sits there and says, "Take me, take me. I want to fly. I want to fly." Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Know? It's an old old fabric airplane and. Uh, and, you know, and, and people are, you know, I'm, I'm 35 years old, so people are, you know, sometimes surprised to see a, a young guy flying an old airplane. Somebody asked me, not here, but it was an airplane guy, but I told him I was flying a, a Tri-Pacer, and he said, oh, a 57 Tri-Pacer. He said, were you, were you, that's probably, you, were you born then? I just laughed. I was like, <laughs> I was born in 81, like not even close. <laughs> my dad was barely, you know, my dad was in grade school. <laughs> You know, one of the things I'm—I think people are curious about that are listening—is uh, the process. Say they want to fly in here. Let's talk about vintage first, and then I'd like to get to general aviation. Uh, how tough was it to register for vintage and and to come in here? Oh, there, uh, there is no. I mean, you literally put a sign in your window saying where you're going. Whether you're going to general aviation camping, you put GAC in your window. If you're going to vintage, you put VAC, and that's it. You know, maybe if you if you flew in with a Cirrus and put VAC in there, they might call you out. You know, <laughs> because it's not a 1970 or before. But there's no there's no pre-registration. You just pop that sign up in your window and they and they wave you in. And then you come in and then you have yeah. To once you once you exit the runway, there's marshalers there. You know, volunteers that that'll look at whatever sign you have in the window and they'll point you. You know, go left or go right or whatever is appropriate. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, what? I have a you know you come in on you come in off the arrival. And uh, you, you, like you said, you just you just put that sign up there, um, which is uh, which was you know just interesting. See, I uh, I laminated mine. They're like, make sure your sign's big enough. Don't make sure it's not electronic. I I, I didn't want to get in trouble. It's my first time flying here. It's my first major air show. So I got those big GAC letters, and it was it was kind of interesting. You just kind of marshaled you right away. But uh, you know, flying in was great. Um, I I I came down on Tuesday. Had a line of weather. I had to try to get through. Um, yeah, you and me both. Uh, yeah. ATC uh, Jack Jack's approach was amazing. He the controller. I had VFR flight following the whole way. The controller says, "If I were you, I'd turn a heading of two four zero for six miles and then turn one eighty. Okay, I'll do that right now." <laughs> He's like, "Don't worry, you'll just get light." And he, I'm like, "I can see that. There's just a hole. There's just a hole to fly through, and it was just VFR the whole way through, and it got through the line, and uh, down it down here we came. I I missed the uh, notum." Now, I didn't miss the notum. I knew about the the air show notum, but I missed the arrival time by two minutes. So I went and spent the uh, the first day's air show over in Plant City. I oh, saw bummer. I saw the French smoke from afar. <laughs> oh, too bad. <laughs> Better get here early. Your your experience for us was a little different. I mean, coming in here was was quite interesting. What well, was the whole the whole process? I was planning to be here on Monday, and I arrived Tuesday, which tells you a little bit about how the uh, how the story went, I guess. But uh, yeah, my great plan was to arrive on Monday so that I got good parking. <laughs> but uh, but 
So I left Oklahoma City and it in a 182, and it's, I don't know, a seven-ish hour flight, I guess. And I actually had tailwind, so it was real great. Uh, but I knew I was going to be, uh, for actually several days beforehand, the way the weather was shaping up, I was going to be following a line of storms. Okay, so pretty much even before I left, I knew I probably wasn't going to make it all the way here in one day, just the way it was going to work out. And so I, my plan was always my plan was to stop in Meridian, Mississippi for fuel and hot dogs and popcorn and ice cream because they have all that stuff in the FBO. It's great, great stop, Meridian, Mississippi. I'll be stopping there on the way back unless something happens, I guess. But but uh, my plan was to stop there and then look at the weather and see how additionally far I could make it. I knew I could make it some distance further. I just didn't know how far, right? I knew I wasn't going to make it all the way. And it was really kind of nice because, you know, we always want to get where we're going. It's the get there right us, right? But well, this was sun and fun. If I got there Tuesday, well, you know, it wasn't like I had any, I mean, yes, the radio station needed me is what Dave Shalbetter said, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but I'm sure it would be okay without, a, you know, missing a day. But so there wasn't that pressure, which was good, but I still wanted to be here. I mean, it's sun and fun. I want to get here. Right. But once I accepted it, look, Russ, I'm just not going to make it today. Then my choices became so much easier. I mean, they were, they, they were, I didn't have to worry about the weather because I wasn't going to go through the weather. I was going to stay behind it. And my biggest decision was, well, do I stop in you know, this little town or that little town? And who has you know, hotels near, closer? <laughs> you know, so, so I looked you know, uh, at, uh, on you know, a tablet, on the internet while I was at, at Meridian and, and found, found an airport, called the guy up, called Earl at Andalusia Southern Alabama <laughs> Regional Airport, I think it's called, uh, Andalusia, Alabama. Called up Earl. Earl said, "Yeah, come on in. You know, we got a courtesy car. You can have for a night. Go to a hotel. You know, whatever, whatever you need." So we got fuel and all that stuff. So I did. I flew there, and I didn't. There was no second thought once getting there. You know, I maybe I could go a little further. No, because just stopped there. I stopped there. Spent the night. It was fine. Uh, got up the next morning and it was fogged in. So I was like, "Oh, this is going real well." So, uh, but that, that actually lifted pretty quick. But then. I planned again because there was a line of storms that you talked about, uh, kind of crossing. It's a different system, but it kind of cut off the peninsula part of of Florida. You know, Tallahassee and all was north of it, and everything else was the south of the storm. So I had to go through that. Um, so again, my plan was well, maybe I'll fly to Perry, which is kind of on the corner where uh, you know Florida kind of starts going into the Panhandle, I guess. And then I'll check there and then see if I can go further. As I got closer there, I was watching the – I had both ADSB weather on board and XM weather on board. So I was comparing the two. I was getting input from Pyreps, uh, from other airplanes, air traffic control, Tallahassee approach mostly uh, for where I was. And the storm system looked like it had some very distinct cells. Uh, and although it stretched across the entire width of Florida, it had some – pretty large gap about 40 miles of just kind of green you know and green well yeah it could be just rain or it cannot be anything you know so so I, based on the pyreps and all i felt pretty confident about going through and i flew through that way and i got bumped around a little bit it was it was down a smooth ride but it was you know it wasn't in a, any thunderstorms or anything so so it was ifr and a little bumpy but i got through and just fine and got down here and it worked out but it took me two days instead of one but so what i arrived you know, Carl, you talk about dispatching yourself as a GA pilot. The hardest aeronautical decision-making, I get paid substantial amounts of money to make aeronautical decisions. But that flight coming down here the night before, I literally had to go to the fridge, grab a beer, 
start drinking, and they say, oh, good, now I can't fly for eight hours, so I'm going to bed. But it, it, it was, well, what if I do this? What if I do that? What if I do this? What if this happens? And, and the same thing. When I left, uh, when I left home, my uh, wife and kids came to the airport. We said goodbye. And then when uh, I told my wife, I'm like, look, I'm going to go give it a try. Because I've learned in my aviation career, and in the airline career, you got to go give it a chance. Go give it a chance. Go give it a look. If we don't get in, we're going to go here. Have a plan. I told my wife, look, I'll either see you on Sunday or I'll see you this afternoon. Because if I get down there and it's a solid line and I can't get through, I'm just going to turn around and come right back home. We'll try to try again when it's better. So the safe route. And uh, our friends at Jacksonville Center actually called us and said, hey, guys, you know, just remind people that what they see sometimes on their XM weather or ADSB might be a little bit old. And uh, it really can old, be. Yeah. yeah, it, it, yeah. And, and, and they've had they had a couple instances uh, this week where uh, it didn't turn out so well. And that's one of the things they wanted to remind us of, you know, just please be careful out there. So yep. you guys are going to be flying out. So, so be careful and, and, on the way and out I'll, there. Yeah. On uh, last year when I came to Sun and Fun, which was my first trip down and not long after I bought the airplane, my fl- I only came Friday to Monday and I was planning to work on Tuesday. So I was going home Monday and the weather was fine all the way home. But when I got to Nashville, I had, you know, I've got iPad with, with a Stratus 2S, so I have weather on, my, on the iPad, and there's rain, a lot of rain, and I'm VFR only, and I get there, and I'm, I'm, I'm 20 minutes from home, 20 minutes by air from home, and I hit the edge of the rain, and the visibility goes down to terrible, you know, and, and it was maybe maybe marginal VFR, I mean, the ceiling wasn't super low, but the, the visibility was, was bad, you know, and, and I'm a fairly, I've only been about three years, and and so, I, you know, I was right there on the edge, and I knew it was clearer than my right. And 20 minutes, I was, I've been home. I would have been, I've been away, you know, I have, and I had a, one, a one-year-old baby at home. My wife's been, you know, watching him and, uh, and all that. But I was like, well, it's, it's just not worth it. So I, I diverted out to the right. I knew it was clear, and I landed at a, an airport that's an hour drive from home, which is not that far. But I didn't know what was going to happen because um, this is a country airport, you know, and uh, it's almost it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I land there, and guy, and I tell him, yeah, I'm trying to get to Nashville. There's rain, and, and the rain was kind of moving into this airport, too, at the time. And it was such not a big deal. Dude says, here's a courtesy car. Take it home. Work tomorrow. Bring it back. I'll put your airplane in the hangar. I mean, wow. he, <laughs> so wow. we, we put my airplane in the hangar. Mm-hmm. I jumped in the courtesy car, stopped and had dinner, and I was, or late lunch, and I was home before my wife and son were. you know. And then I worked the full next day. Left the office at four o'clock, drove back to my airplane, flew it home on beautiful clear skies, and and uh, had a nice you know, forty-five minute flight home. So it, that to me was just a good example of it's not that big of a deal, you know. And like to Russ's point, like there's there's resources out there, there's there's airports that are going to help you, and making the safe decision is so much better. And and it might work out that it's just not that inconvenient anyway. That's a great story about how cool yeah. uh, GA can be. I like, I love his, uh, it's beautiful clear skies the next day too, right? When we investigate accidents, it's almost always on the beautiful clear day following the weather. Yeah, there's right. a reason for exactly. that. Well, you could have always called Enterprise, I guess, to, yeah. to come to come pick, come you, pick up. you up. Which, yeah, well, which that's, is, that's Carl's which is kind of kind of an interesting segue into yeah. what we're about to talk about. It, that was with, my plan uh, A. I thought it, I was going to have to. I was trying to figure out what the closest branch was, and then the guy just threw me the keys of the courtesy car, and I was like, "Okay, great." Yeah, you talk about uh, what the Why We Fly podcast and, and yeah. getting a start there. And uh, oh, by the way, before we start talking about that, we do have a shout out. Uh, says, "Hey, Carl. Hey, Mike. Uh, love the podcast, and you all are sounding good in the deep south." Tony P from Mobile, Alabama. Oh, right. Super. Cool. Thanks so much. The uh, 
the, the, the podcast you put together is really inspirational. Uh, but And you have some cool stories. But there's this one story that you told me that I think would be really neat to uh, to wrap up uh, with the podcast here because we've gone a little bit long. Here. Sure. Uh, and that's uh, somebody, I don't know if we can mention, well, we can mention Enterprise. So you, you tell the story. Yeah. I don't know how much I'm allowed to mention on Yeah, that. no, no. This is, this is public knowledge. So, okay, good. so the reason it's um, uh, he's referencing Enterprise is because I, you know, I have the podcast and it's been a great thing, got me involved with the aviation industry. <clears throat> over this past year, but uh, my day, my day job that actually pays for me to fly an airplane is that I work for Enterprise, and I, I work for the Enterprise Fleet Management Division, and I've been with Enterprise for 13 years um, since I came out of college. It's a great company, and it pays for my airplane, and I'm planning to stay there a lot, a lot longer. And uh, the story we're referencing is that there's an aviation connection with Enterprise. Well, actually, there's a few, and one enterprise is a partner of Sun and Fun. Um, they, we've got a, a partner for Sun and Fun Radio. There's a there's a spot here. We even have an on-site employees renting cars here at Sun and Fun. Uh, enterprise also is a partner with AOPA, so AOPA members get dis- discounts with Enterprise. Um, and we also own National and Alamo. Everybody, not everybody knows that. So, um, so there's a lot of tie-ins with Enterprise. And then the other thing is that we do pick you up from the, every FBO, any FBO in the country you go to. They got the number of local enterprise, and that, and that local enterprise picks people up to rent cars all week, every day. You know, so it's it's really common. So there's a lot of tie-ins. Yes, and enterprise is uh, just a little plug there. Of course, I'm driving an enterprise rent a car, and uh, you guys have done a great job. I've been the, the friendliest people picking it up. Uh, had some issues, uh, a flight I couldn't get in on, uh, weather issues, canceled flights. I said, hey, I can't make it. No problem. We'll have, the, we'll have it ready for you tomorrow. Hey, by the way, can I drive it down to Fort Myers and then take a flight to New York? Yeah, not a problem. They're, they're very good to work with. And they'll come out to the airport and help us. Yeah. So, And I wasn't paid for that advertising. Yeah, n- n- neither was I. Well, I'm, I'm paid by <laughs> Enterprise all the time, but not for this. Uh, <laughs> um, but the real, the real cool aviation tie-in that not a lot of people know um, is that we're a privately held company, and we're, we're celebrating 60 years this year. And our founder, who unfortunately just passed away earlier this year, um, Jack Taylor from St. Louis, he was a, a World War II fighter pilot, and he flew Hellcats uh, in the Navy, and he served on the USS Essex in the South Pacific, and he served aboard the USS Enterprise. And he came out of the service Came back to St. Louis, started a little rent, a little started with a leasing company, and then became a rental car company, named it Enterprise after the USS Enterprise, which is one of the most storied you know aircraft carriers of World War II. It was involved in every major conflict in the South Pacific and, and lasted the whole war. So it, it we've funded some documentaries and a lot of things about Jack's service, and um, so that's that's one one part of the uh, of the aviation story. And the other cool thing that uh, that that brings me personally into it as well is that um about i guess it was seven or eight years ago the uh the owning family of enterprise and this is we are privately held and we cleared 20 billion dollars last year because we're we have 1.7 million cars so the owning family of enterprise is top way you know top of the food chain as far as wealthy individuals great great down, downtown uh down to earth people but they that family the taylor family in Jack's honor, um, pulled a off the bottom of Lake Michigan a few years ago. Pulled up a Hellcat um, that was, had served at the Battle Mill Midway, and had subsequently been assigned to Lake Michigan for training. And on a uh, lieutenant uh, on a training uh, landing on an aircraft carrier in Lake Michigan, it went off the deck, went into the water. The pilot survived. He got out and uh, and swam to the boat, and they, and they picked him up. And then the uh, the boat, and this was in 1946-ish. I mean, this was still way back. 
And then the that Hellcat stayed at the bottom of the Lake Lake Michigan until we Enterprise pulled it up in circa 2007, something like that. So they restored uh, the Taylor family paid to restore this airplane, and then donated it to the uh, U.S. Uh, Navy Naval Aviation Museum in Pensacola. So if you go to the Navy Avi- Naval Aviation Museum in Pensacola, that Hellcat uh, they donated in Jack's name and they painted his squadron colors and um, and they had a whole ceremony. So I heard about this story when they uh, put a, an article about it with pictures of Jack and the plane that they were donating um, on our company intranet. Uh, so, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I didn't do anything with it for a couple of years, but then two years ago, I, I was just thinking, I was like, you know, I've, I've been with the company 10 years at that point, and I'm a pilot, and Jack's probably not going to be with us that much longer, and, he, and now he's not. <clears throat> so I would really like an autographed copy of this picture. So I reached out to his executive assistant and told her, hey, I'm a longtime employee, I'm a pilot, and I think this Hellcat story is the, one of the coolest things we've, you know, my co- company's ever done from my perspective, and would it be possible to get Jack to autograph a, a photo? So I, I, and she said, yeah, absolutely, no problem. Send me a, send me a picture, and, and we'll do it. So I, I blew up this big picture. It's bigger than 8x10. It's, it's big. And, <laughs> and I sent it to her. And next time Jack was in the office, he, he signs it as one pilot to another. Keep your eyes open, Jack Taylor. You know, and this guy can buy me a hundred times over. And this, you know, he's a really wealthy individual, but uh, he's provided, started this huge company that's provided a lot of jobs and uh, and had and had also a, a real war hero. So it is, it's my prized possession in my office. It's framed in my office with the caption of the story of, of the the plane itself and of Enterprise's involvement with it. And uh, and other Enterprise employees come in and they look and they're like. Why is why did Jack give you a signed picture? Like, how does this happen? You because know, he's a hero in our company, so they're they're just blown away. Like this is this is ridiculous. How do you have this? <laughs> that is an amazing story. That's and, really cool. Uh, yeah, Enterprise uh, Rent a Car, an, an incredible sponsor here of Sun and Fun, and an amazing story behind it. And now we know why. Now we know why his his interest in aviation. Yep, for sure. And and we do a lot for for military and, and veteran different causes. So. Um, I've even done some some grants uh, through our foundation for from veteran causes. So Enterprise does a lot for veterans, and uh, yeah, it's it's a great company for sure. So, you know, uh, we're gonna have to wrap up pretty soon, but uh, there's all these amazing stories out there, and uh, the fact that you flew into vintage is is really cool. I mean, in the Why We Fly podcast, it's it's about the passion for aviation. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, and tell us a little bit. First of all, we have to know where to find you on the internet. And in iTunes, and uh, and just find you in general, just to talk to you. You're obviously really, really passionate about aviation. Yeah, and, and that's why I started the podcast because I wanted to do something in the industry, and um, and also do the kind of the mission of the podcast is to um, to do something to help address the pilot population decline. You know, it's it's all about it's the reasons why we fly, just as the title suggests. It's the reason why we spend time with aircraft, adventure, excitement, um, also trying to. To I make it approachable for non-pilots, and I and I encourage pilot listeners to share it with non-pilots to get the information out there because I've been amazed since I've learned all this about aviation how much people don't know what you can do with an airplane and and they think they think airplanes and they think airlines and then that's all there is they just don't know GA exists they don't know that you can buy a plane and fly it to the Bahamas and that's just not a big deal you know I mean it's it's a great thing to do but it's something that you can do as a GA pilot. So I try to get information out there and, and share the excitement about it. So, so that's the podcast. I've been inter- interviewing more and more kind of exciting people here at Sun and Fun as well as uh, over the phone and, and recently too. So kind of uh, been doing it for over a year. Got 28 episodes and kind of taking it to a new level this year. 
And um, and I might as well announce that I'm now uh, Wiley Fly is now brought to you by Bose Aviation uh, as of this awesome. week. Awesome! So, Congratulations so on very, the sponsorship. Yeah, very excited about that. We partnering with Bose, um, so it's very cool. It's a uh, you know, do do some exciting things this year for sure. And, and I've been doing a lot this uh, this week, working on the radio station as well as for the podcast. So it's whywefly.org. Um, it's in the normal podcast places, uh, iTunes podcast app for for iPhone. Google Play Music, Stitcher app for Android is the main ones that uh, that I focus on. And my uh, my contact info is on the website, whywefly.org. It's my email, mike at whywefly.org. And uh, so, yeah, it's great. Well, thanks for volunteering this year uh, at Sun and Fun Radio. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it, it's been a great experience. And I definitely plan to uh, to return and, and do the radio station because it's been a lot of fun. For first year uh, volunteering? First year volunteering. And last year was my first Sun and Fun. I was only here for two and a half days, and it flew by. like way, I didn't even see, see hardly anything it felt like. And this whole week has, too. There's still three or four areas of the grounds that I haven't even been to that I, that I really need to tomorrow. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much again for, for being here and Why We Fly podcast. also want to thank another one of our guests, uh, Michael Carls, from the uh, the podcast is flyingandlife.com. Is that how they can find you and uh, your podcast? Yep, flyingandlife.com. It's the podcast. Everything's posted there. Um, you talked about waking up in, uh, around airplanes. Uh, yeah. First first morning, I put a, put my iPhone on top of my airplane and uh, faced it east. There's a, On my Twitter feed, there's a gorgeous... Uh, time lapse of sun uh, we had that fog in the morning so you can see the fog rolling through and then you can see the sunrise pop up and the the sky turns this beautiful reddish purple it's amazing so yeah. that, that you find that on my twitter feed at flying in life well, we'll be following that, that's for sure. And thanks again for being here. Maybe next year we'll have you as a, a volunteer, hopefully. We'll be talking. Uh, yeah, definitely we'll need you need you to come up over here. So, and uh, this is just such a neat event. We hate to have it end, and I hate to have this podcast end, that's for sure. We also want to thank uh, you know our, our friends here at Bill English from the uh, NTSB. And uh, they can, well, no. Hopefully they won't be contacting you or you'll be contacting them. We don't, we don't want that to happen. But thanks again for being here. We appreciate everything you do. It just has an incredible passion for aviation. Um, also, uh, the other person we want to mention, too, is Rick Felty. And, and not only that, Rick, I, I know that a lot of people yes. are, are here listening on the Internet and, uh, and uh, social media. And I was wondering from, yeah. from a perspective of somebody who's not here right now, you know, what do you think about Sun and Fun from the perspective of somebody who's watching it from uh, social media? Well, you know, like every like every year, it looks great. I, I've yet to be at that show, so I don't have any firsthand knowledge, but I love watching the videos. I would say that what David was talking about earlier is true, that the, the way video is flowing now on social media, there's way more sights and sounds coming out of this show this year, it seems to me, than there were last year. Not sound so much because radio's been rocking it every year for a long time but there is video now and, and it's been fun to watch and it's been it's it's looks it looks like a lot of fun so i got to get down there definitely and we need to meet sometime not only that you have to come here yeah we, that we, would be good it, it, it would probably be good for us to meet although the longer it goes the more historic it goes yes it is it's it's kind of somewhat <laughs> it's a mystery here it's more mysterious it is a little strange okay. <laughs> it is a we'll bit we'll, we definitely will work on it yeah and, okay. uh, and you know rick there's been kind of a long podcast but uh, we also yep. we have more things coming in the future on the on this episode is going to be published on the the 15th but uh right. coming up is is something else that i think rusk is going to tell us about yeah, that's right, Carl. Uh, we, uh, several members of the Stuck Mike Avcast, did a bunch of interviews around here, around on the grounds. They went on the, the radio station and such here. But uh, the next episode, which should be May 1st, I think, 
the one after this one. Right. Um, we're going to put together a lot of those interviews that we conducted. And just as a little teaser of some of the ones that are going to be on there, I mean, we, we've got uh, uh, gyrocopter manufacturer. We've got Pipistro Aircraft and their motor glider. Uh, uh, Kevin Lacey might be another interview. Uh, fly Yourself Around Africa, the missionary pilots, uh, Jason Shepard with M0A, a couple of twins, uh, twin boys that uh, refurbished an aircraft and flew it here. We've got a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old that flew an aircraft here as well. Uh, the Millennium Phenom you might have seen at some events. Uh, a couple of air show pilots. Uh, an interview with NORAD. I mean, just a lot of neat stuff. And we'll see how much of that we can fit in the next episode. <laughs> I don't guarantee all of it, but we'll, we'll see what we can do. Well, I, I am so excited to have all those out there, and, and I can't wait to listen to all of them because I haven't had a chance to do that. Well, folks, we're going to have to wrap this up, and, and I really appreciate everybody here. Mike, you have a quick thing to say? Yeah, I just, I just want to add on to that. I've been working with the radio station, too, so I'm going to be doing the same thing. Um, and I've got a, a Blue Angels number 4 uh, Oh, awesome. Completely coming so, out. So nice. the Why We Fly, listen to that one. Terrific. Thanks so much again, Larry Overstreet. Actually, I usually end with announcing who's here, but thank you, everybody, to all the podcasters and all the people that volunteer at Sun and Fun. Thanks to David Shalbetter, who's not here right now, but uh, he's the one that really brings us all together and uh, is really you know, the glue behind the, the whole Sun and Fun on the deck. And thanks again to our sponsors, again, Shoreline Aviation, Women in Aviation, Aviators Hotline, IMC Club, and all the other people that we hear all day long here at Sun and Fun. This is Carl Blair. We're going to be signing off here at the Stuck Mike Avcast and going back to, uh, to the feed for the evening. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you next episode. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.